Hey everybody, Mike Dempsey here. It's NFL playoff time, and you can still win playing Underdog Fantasy by picking higher or lower on player stats at underdogfantasy.com. Sign up with promo code 1010XL, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. Attention. Attention. They are not ready for prime time. Prime time. Prime time. Prime time. That's the name. Prime time. Prime time. What time is it? Showtime prime time. It's XL Prime Time featuring Joe C. Son of a gun. Matt Hayes. His balls are different in person. Mia O'Brien. I don't know what they're doing. And Leon Searcy. Bringing you love, peace, and soul. If Leon's line was love, peace, and harmony, I don't think they'd be playing that down at the bank. Even though you just heard the general manager say there is nothing but collaboration and cooperation between front office and coaching staff. Welcome into Excel Primetime. You just heard the conclusion of the Trent Baalke presser, the general manager addressing Jaguars across the world as far as where they think the team came up short, what's next, contract extensions, and getting bigger, faster, stronger. Welcome in. I don't even know if I can do it justice because I want to do my yell to kick off the weekend, but this thing has just got me kind of seething, okay? Seething. So I'll just go, because I ain't happy about this. I ain't happy about this at all. Oh, oh my God. Gosh, all right, we got so much to get into, man. We will have the embedded and shredded. It was shredded. an annoying yeah. I mean, it's just, yeah. It's just, it's just, it's ticking it me off. It was. I just, I just tweeted out that I think the Harbaugh move is on with Trent Baalke. And when I say that, he started to undermine some things out in San Francisco, at least in my estimation, that's what he did. I think this whole press conference was undermining the coaching staff. Leon, I'm looking at you. Matt, I'm looking at you. You guys listen to all of this as well. What's your first takeaway from what Trent said? I, my first takeaway is if there was no friction between he and Doug Peterson, they would have been at the press conference together well, and for, spoke just, about the team together because there the were record, questions ju- about – Yeah, just for the record, the general manager usually does it alone. I just, understand yeah, all that, yeah. but, but <clears throat> there are questions about not only how you – get to the team, okay, how you procure the talent. There's also questions about how they're being coached. So he kind of just fluffed off the offense question, well, I'm not a coach, but dug deep in the defense question, talking about players and what has to be done schematically and all that. But when it's the offense, well, I'm not a coach. So there's something definitely going on there, okay? Mm -hmm. There's no doubt about that. And another thing, I've never heard a guy who takes less responsibility for what's going on than the general manager of the Jaguars. The guy who built the team is saying they got to play better. So, in other words, he's blaming the coaches. Yeah. Players have to play better. So, they're not coping. He said they're not coping developed. Okay, I'm going to come back to you on that, that, that one. That's, that's what I got from it. There's no culpability on the general manager for the guys that he brought in here. They're either not being coached. Or the uh, they're, they're 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 not being coached properly is what I, the, the gist of what the information he gave them. And there were some questions about hey your last couple of first your 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 your, your picks of last year you know haven't gotten much time and well why well they're developing they're, they're they're developing we need coaching staffs that are going to come in here and develop these places. What, what about having the, the right player to be the right fit for the program so you don't have to go through that extension of getting them ready to play football games. And he was talking about the uh, the strength and conditioning of the of the players is also a part of it. 
Well, yeah, hell, uh, Fortner's been here three years. I mean, has he been doing water aerobics instead of being in the weight room? <laughs> Something is going on here. Because yeah. if you're talking about all these different things that, that's going to make the players, you know, the strength and the conditioning, the development on the field, or in the film room, and all that kind of stuff, they, there's no onus on the general manager to find the right fit, the, the player that fits the culture in which you're devo- – oh, that's right, they don't have a culture. They don't have an identity. Ooh, you ready that's for this? What, that's what it is. Listen to this, man. Uh, and this is after you took a team to the playoffs and you had nothing but promise and, and possibilities for your future this time a year ago. He comes out of this pre- particular presser and says, couldn't run the ball, couldn't stop the run late, got to develop an identity, got to stick with it. That's coming in the – or that has to happen in the off season. And then the classic, usually the bigger, faster, stronger line usually comes from a head coach when he's taking over a program mm-hmm. instead of a general manager that's been in charge of the program for now going into his third offseason. So this does uh, – this this blows my mind. It, it really does. So a lot of you heard it on our air. We say thanks to Jaguars.com uh, for letting us air it. And so if you want to hit the pop-off line, not a bad idea, 207-7071 if you are just like kind of fuming a little bit or you like what he said – and you pin it on the coaches. You can do that. 207-7071. Of course, you can hit the text line at 641-1010, designed by Life. Well, here's the thing a general manager can't do. You can't, you can't just go out there and just be picket players. If you have an identity and a culture, then when you go and do your due diligence and you go to these colleges and you talk to the coaches, the assistant coach, the weight room guy, you figure out what kind of guy fits your culture that you can place in and fit and can come in. But if you don't have an identity or a culture – sort of say, yeah. then you just go out there and pick anybody and think this is coaching staff can develop them. No, they've got to be a perfect fit. I bet you the Baltimore Ravens or the teams that are playing right now, they're just going to go get guys. They fit, get, 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 get guys yeah. that fit their culture, who love the game, who are coachable, you know, and can go up and be developed and then within a year or within that year they're balling out. I see it too often. I see it too often. I see guys – that are second, third, fourth round players to go out and make an impact for certain teams, but not this team, not this Jaguar team. They got to wait around and you know, and 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 get and get checks and, and get paid vacations, and they don't get on the field and get uh, healthy scratches and all that kind of stuff. So I mean, they've got to do a better job from top to bottom getting this thing back on. And I, mean, I, I don't know how you, I don't know how he can stand there, or sit there and not criticize himself. His second round pick had five catches, yeah, and four penalties. Mm-hmm. Five, yeah. almost as many penalties catches. As catches. Yes, five, Joe. Yeah. Oh yeah, Believe five me. catches. Uh, uh, you know what his that third is? round pick fumbled the ball. How many times? Four. Yeah, mm-hmm. the um, the five catches is somewhere in the neighborhood. And I'm just, you know, this is just fast math. Somewhere in the neighborhood of eighty less than Sam Laporta. Also, right. Taken. Mm-hmm. He, by the way, he blamed that, and clearly he blamed. We'll, we'll get, Gibby's cutting this up right now, so we'll get all yeah. this stuff on for you guys. You can hear it again. He blamed that on quote development. Yeah, which okay. means. That's on the coaching staff, right? I don't have all. I don't have the exact because I was. You know, we're all sitting there. We're just typing. We're making notes, and I'm just basically just jotting it down. This is a systematic issue on running the ball. And then he said, "How do we make this a more competitive situation? Make these rooms as competitive as they can be." Which goes to your point. The best way I can think of, there are two ways to make them as competitive as they can be. Leon is have better players. Okay, and then he had the gall to say, "I'm gonna I'm gonna step away from the coaching talk. I'm gonna get back to my Jimmys and Joes." That's how you make it more competitive, right? By having better players. And look, I don't mind. You're the guy filling I, the rooms. Yeah, I, exactly. Mm-hmm. I don't mind you charging your coaches with doing a better job. I don't have a problem no, with that. No. But at the same time, own some of the other stuff. Yes. The yes. personnel, own yeah. it, man. Well, listen. As a general manager, as a head coach, as the assistant coach, you can't make 
you can't make football a comfortable environment, all right? These players can't come in with the gist of knowing that they got a position. Now, there's certain guys, some certain places like Trevor and ATN that you know they're going to be a fit moving forward. But all these other jobs, all these other jobs, they, they should be up for grabs. Mm-hmm. And you should be bringing in guys, not only in the draft, but in the free agents they're going to compete for. Compete for this job. Make these guys uncomfortable as possible. Because when you go to camp and you know you got a job, what are you there for? You, you, you know, if you don't think that the guy that next behind you can take your job, then, I mean, why are you playing? Because, because, because iron sharp is iron. Yeah. If you know that the person behind you can come take your job, not, not, this is not every position, all right? There's certain positions. Like all the interior of the offensive line, that old job should be up for grabs mm-hmm. by anybody that comes in here, whether you draft or free agent. Because that, that, that was an Achilles kill of this offense, the fact that we couldn't protect Trevor interiorly, right? Yeah. The interior of the defensive line, that as well. That should be an open That should be open season for whoever comes in here through the draft or through free agents to get that job. And that's the meat and potatoes of your team is your offensive line and your defensive line couldn't run the ball and couldn't stop the yeah, run. And when he said it, it was damning the way he said it, as if uh, they weren't they didn't do their job. They, we had the right people out on there. All right, we got so much to get into. We're going to get the embedded and shredded down there. Uh, Mia on her way in as well. Uh, let's do the 10 10 take, and obviously, let's keep this going. Like we said, you can hit the pop off line 207 7071. Let us know what you think about what Trent Balky said. Of course, you can hit the text line. You can go to YouTube, search 1010XL, and give it to us there as well. Now, Joe C's 1010 take. Slow smoked and served up by Sonny's Barbecue, local pitmasters since 68. Uh, it, it does blow my mind, and I'm just going to try and make this point just a little clearer because when we come out of the gates, I say I can feel the, the, the Harbaugh happening taking place. Let me explain this, okay? As Jim Harbaugh steps back into the NFL ring, taking the job of the Los Angeles Chargers, after he left San Francisco and had 44 wins in four years, do the math there, 44 wins in four years, and he stepped away from that coaching job. Anyway, he re-enters the arena. And I feel like some of the stuff I just heard from Trent Baalke was undermining Doug Peterson and the job that they've done. Okay, One of the main things he said is, we had 21 of 22 starters coming back. Uh, Does it happen like this, meaning you flame out? Not usually. One that made it to the divisional round you've got to do a better job of developing players. And I'm paraphrasing. Like you said, we're going to have it well, all cut up. That's what he said. But I'm telling you what, mm-hmm. the 10 take is someone, once again, sounds like he is going after his head coach and the job that the coaching staff did. That's the 10-10 take. So Harbaugh went to three straight NFC Championship games, went to the Super Bowl once as well, runner-up, lost to his brother, the Ravens, okay? His fourth year, they were 8-8, eight and eight, and that's when it happened. Because it was, how did you not get to the Super Bowl and win the Super Bowl? You had the team set up. Everything was there. They went 8-8, and and all of a sudden there were questions everywhere. And during the season, there were questions everywhere. And that's when the friction began. There was friction between them long earlier as well because they're just two guys that – very strong personalities, both of them. Alphas. Two huge alphas. I think think both of them want to wear a whistle. Yes. Let me make that point, too. Yes. I think this guy here still wants to wear a whistle. He's not the coach. Yeah, I know, but I I really do believe he wants to wear the whistle. He still does. Right. So that's – that's how it ended there. And Harbaugh had the landing spot of Michigan. You know, he was, all right, I'll just go to my alma mater coach there. And when I'm ready to get back in the NFL, I'll get back. And that's where it is now. Now he's back with the Chargers. But that's what happened there. Basically, Balky ran him out. So is that what's going to happen here? It's uh, Well, I mean, he did the same thing that he did in San Francisco with, with Harbaugh he did here. 
All the culpability was on the coaching staff developing. He's basically saying, listen, I give them the guys. They're not developing them. That's exactly. They're not coaching. That's what he's saying. He that's literally a, used the that, word they need to be that, developed that, better. That's that's a, that's a, that's on them, that, that, their lack of effort getting these guys ready to play the football games. Hey, I did, whatever, I, knew, I did what I was supposed to do with free agency in the draft. Coaching staff, if they ain't playing, it's because of them. That's what I got to take. That's the same thing. That's what honestly. I got. Out of it. Uh, like, I just like shot here that and think, yeah, that's healthy for our organization. And if we yeah, do sure. go back in time, at least as it was, uh, you know, we we talked to a lot of people. Is that Shad, who's not always in the building, felt like Balky was the the the, the confidant, the right hand man, however you want to describe it, where he would trust him. Him. Implicitly with everything as far as the goings on day to day and the running of the franchise. And so here's where you are. You He's hear like Robert Duvall, basically. Yeah, exactly. You, know, you got to have that if guy. If you don't learn from history, you're doomed to repeat right. it. And right the, now, they are, re- they are repeating the 49ers. And by the way, the Don trusted somebody outside of the family when he did that, okay? Uh, and so it's just it's, – it's, it's true that you are doomed to repeat again. And th- this much I know that – the football team, I think we all collectively have said one way or another that there wasn't enough good decisions made when it came to making decisions on weakest points of this football team, Leon. Weakest points, which was pass pressure and line protection, which which you just laid out, mm-hmm. uh, and that they didn't make any moves in that direction. And then the other part of it was feeling like the 21 of 22 starters were there that you could just run it back and have the same results. And I do put that on the coaching staff as well. I'm not taking them off the hook. And I do put that on the players. I'm not taking them off the hook. Well, I mean, the coaching staff could have got lax and comfortable as well, knowing that they got 21 of 22 stars and what they did last year. Going in this, going into this season, I mean, the intensity of, of practice or preparation might have lessened mm-hmm. because they figured that we had the guys, we had the leadership on the, on the locker room where we could just cruise and coast on in. And it, it, it proved to be their doom, especially down the stretch. Yeah. Especially down the stretch when they needed that leadership, they needed that preparation, they needed that accountability, they needed that execution at its very most. And because early on it may have not been amplified, towards the end they didn't know how to do it. And that's the reason why you lose five out of six games. Look, I, I, I am not protecting the players here or the coaching staff. Everybody has a fault right. in this thing, Okay. My thing is, if you're the general manager and your job is to procure players, you went into the season thinking you're good at, at, at getting after the quarterback. They clearly were not. The two edge guys had, had good seasons. Other than that, what did you get? That's one. Number two, you went into the season thinking your left guard who came back from a major surgery, mm-hmm. you're, you're, you're relying on him. He and got you, cut and a you quarter of the way through the season. Yeah, you didn't clear him until... I don't right. know, second, third week. You're of relying on that. So already you have instability on your offensive line. You knew what happened with Cam. You knew he was going to. So you've already got a bunch of moving pieces right now on the offensive line. So instead of solidifying what you had in the middle, you said, yeah, you know, we'll, we'll deal with the guy who just had, it was like a dislocated knee, I think, right? Barchi had? Yeah, dislocated kneecap. Let's be right. careful there. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so, I mean, you, you, you look at that and you look, you t- we talked the entire offseason. They don't cover well in the secondary. They don't have guys that can cover in man. There was no attempt made to like improve the areas that needed to be improved. It was just, well, these guys will get better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, what if they don't get better? It, it, and what uh, if your coaching isn't better? So I think you, as a GM, you not only have to give them the players, you also have to think, all right, we have to figure out what if something is not working, why keep banging our head against the wall? Right. 
It's basically you cook one great meal, you think you're going to be able to go back and recreate that, or you think actually you're going to be able to open a restaurant based on that one good meal that you cooked. And and, and that's basically what it feels like. We did it once, we can do it again. And to, and I say this all the time, Leon, the NFL, like, you don't, there aren't too many jobs out there, and I could talk to all of our Duval, Nassau, St. John's, Newton, all of them, Clay, don't want to forget about you, that that there isn't someone attacking you at your job every single day you go out to do your job. That's mm-hmm. the NFL. That's, that's sports, is that someone's trying to figure out how to undo what you just did well. And this football team did it well down the stretch last year, and now they've, uh, they've been challenged and they've been taken apart. Yeah, they, they got exposed, especially later on in the season. I mean, I, I think the worst – I'm not going to say the worst thing, but this team going 8-3, and three, having the number one seed, and – if you look at it, a lot of those games they play, I mean, they, they had to win. I mean, they didn't blow anybody out. They had to win those football games. And I think this team mentally, I said down the stretch, they weren't mentally tough. I think mentally this team got soft. Mm-hmm. It, got, it got comfortable. And I think that when the going got tough, they didn't know how to respond to it because they, they weren't entrenched in it already. Right. I, I, I truly believe that because you, you don't do what they did down the stretch unless, you meant to, I mean, unless you're not equipped mentally. The physical part is all on the field, but if you're not equipped mentally, you don't you don't lose five out of six games and be out the playoffs. That kind of thing. If you're not mentally equipped, not only as a coaching staff but as a team and as a unit, and I just don't believe that happens. Yeah, you you know, and we'll ask you again, but the mindset is definitely so important, physical and mental preparation. Mia made it back from her speaking engagement. We got Hayes Carline coming up. Uh, in about 15 minutes, we'll talk to him as he was down there at the presser. Uh, thoughts? I uh, listened to the second half of the presser on my drive back from my speaking engagement with the lovely women of the Mandarin Women's Club. Uh-huh. Uh, lovely ladies down there. They were all decked out. I want you to know, Leon, several Miami fans with nice. their Miami Hurricanes, Miami cool. Dolphin shirts on, yeah. tons of Gators, dogs, Knowles. We had a grand old time. Um, so I did catch the second half of the presser. I uh, was obviously listening to the first 10 minutes of our program as I drove in. Uh, I didn't know that Trent Baalke shot a puppy um, because that was the immediate vibe that I got as I turned you guys on. Um, I'm sure there's some Nooners driving around that feel like he shot a puppy. Yeah, I in the name of Peter, he did not do that. There's some of you that think that maybe that's the vibe we're giving you and that's not the vibe you got. So I am very excited to hear. Well, what give us a different everybody. vibe. Well, I mean, I the other, I mean, I only heard the last five six questions. I mm-hmm. just, I mean, the vibe that I get is this is who he is. Like th- this, what did you expect? No, I, 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 I tell you what I expect. He's going to hear a little yeah. more. Trust me. Yeah, yeah. I, I tell you what I expect. I expect him to take ownership of some of the problems instead of I passing don't. them off. I don't. Well, no, no, no. Look, you're, 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 and I call Hayes embedded and shredded. But to all those people out there, they don't just know the personality of Balky and, and can explain it away. They're looking at a football team that let them down. So that's why we're talking the way we're talking is because he's explaining everything away as you got to develop players, you got to have a more competitive uh, position room. That's saying to me the coaches did not do the job that he thinks they should have done instead of the personnel. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not surprised. I heard your point about Harbaugh. Yeah. Like, the, yeah. the, 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 I mean, like, you can't change the stripes on a tiger. What's the line? I've definitely butchered that cliche. Yeah. Like, the, like this, is who, this is who he is. Right. But, but at the same time. I didn't time- expect anything different. That's why when Mike Dempsey asked me during the handoff yesterday, like, what is your, like, one question for Trent? And I was like, here's the problem. I've spent three years now with Trent. I know how he's going to spin it. Sorry. Like, th- you know? So your, your point is what he said today doesn't surprise you is what you're saying. Yeah, so let's – How he blamed no. others. Okay, but yeah. let's at least no. make that okay. point clear because, right. honestly, as the, the three of us who have done sh- a show with you now control. for a while, I'll tell you what I thought you just said. 
was that everything's fine. No. Uh, and that, and I'm, that I'm, he, I'm telling you. And that we need to tell everybody he didn't shoot a puppy. No, no. I think yeah. what she's saying is, yeah, okay, so what's new? <laughs> right. Correct. He's not surprised he's not right. taking right. Yeah. Exactly. That, that I because that's not mm. the person he is. Thank he, you, JJ. He's, okay, good. You, because we're getting ready to throw you out don't, of here. I don't, no, know. I don't know the man. Yeah, yeah, so. like, I totally appreciate you and having that opinion. That's just sort of what but, they all do. Like right. They're not going to ever throw a player under the bus specifically. They're not going to throw a position under the bus. He didn't. I mean, like, he was asked specifically about players, and he goes on very vague, you know, yeah, broad. Yeah, he says we can't run the ball. If he's, saying, stop if the he's run. saying we have to develop players better, well, he's going after well, players. Well, not only did he say that, he said that Trevor not was hurt. specifically. He said though. Trevor was hurt, and we need to do a better job in protecting I'll give you another That's example. That's the O-line. I'll give you another example. And again, like I said, I don't think everybody out there is, is okay with him just passing it off and that we should be okay with him passing it off. Uh, he, what did he say? And I don't have the exact quote, but – he said he loves Calvin. Calvin loves to practice, loves the game, hasn't played in two years. He's only going to get better. This is the same guy that couldn't figure out routes at a certain time. Now, what is he saying? He's saying coaches didn't do a good job. He did a good job bringing the player in. And we certainly and, would like and, to have Calvin and, back. And when they use a second-round pick to keep him, yeah. then it's going to be, well, yeah. this is why. Yeah. He's yeah. a great player. Yeah. Or he on loves the, practice. On the flip yeah. side of that, right. Or on the practice. flip side of that. When they either have a handshake deal or they get a deal done with 41 and they tag uh, tag Ridley, although I think then that still would be a second-round pick. Yeah. So if they do have this handshake deal in place but yeah, and, and they sign him back after the league year opens and it's a three, then it's going to be, I was a genius. Yeah. You should have followed me all along. And you're going to pay the cat that may not be running all the right routes right. $20 million Right, but he's been in the system for a year, Joe. Yeah. He did yeah. address one specific player. Uh, um, what did you think about when he said Josh Allen will be a Jaguar next year? I wasn't surprised yeah. because I fully expect him to be tagged, quite yeah. frankly. Yeah. I mean, I, you're not, not going to let a guy with 17 sacks go. Just, no. Yeah, no. I mean, if they get a like, deal done before the deadline, that would before the league year opens, that would be fantastic. That would be awesome. Right. Yeah. I don't expect it. I expect a deal similar to Evan Ingram's. And he's going to get tagged, and he's not going to show up to all the OTAs. And he didn't show up last year. Yeah, which was the beginning of. He's going to hold out preseason. Yeah. I would. Yeah, it was the beginning of his posturing yeah. last year, and, yeah. and it's okay because he had him a hell of a year, mm-hmm. and that's what he should do. Evan Ingram did well, the same thing when well, he, when when he yeah. got tagged. Well, he got leverage. He's yeah. got leverage now. Exactly. Yeah. And so, look, I, I I got I got no problem with any way you feel about it. I just want to know that that you know all of our nooners out there, if you have an opinion on the on what he said, you still can charge him with responsibility to say more or do more, uh, even though he may pass it all off. Because honestly, that's exactly what I felt he did more than anything else. All right, it's XL Primetime. Uh, let's get to Hayes, the embedded and shredded. We'll get him up in just a few moments and get an idea of what he thought and what the others thought and maybe a little more convo with Balky as he exited the microphone. Again, thanks to Jaguars.com for letting us carry it live right here on our airwaves. A lot of what's written, a lot of the narratives that are out there are just false. Plain and simple. False narratives. If we all did that, we would all be fired. The only other person who would be that bad at their job and still have a job is the weatherman in Florida. I am over bulky. I will start a fire bulky for every home loss from here on out. Ton of deflection from bulky. A lot of platitudes. Would not directly answer if the D.C. hire was Doug's or not. Get rid of this clown. Grilling Up Lunch with Leon and the Sausage Dudes. Sausage with a purpose on 1010XL. So first off, hello. Happy Thursday. Great to see everybody. Great to hear from you all. 
Thank you, pop-off callers. Um, Tony Marinados, our good friend, just popped in here and said, Trent Baalke for president. Wink, wink, wink. Right? <laughs> right? <laughs> that was said in jest. This is XL Primetime. That was Trent Baalke, the general manager of your Jacksonville Jaguars, as well as the pop-off line, which you can get involved in the conversation. 207-7071. The text line, Design by Lifetime Enclosures, also flying off the chain. That number is 641-1010 as you react to the Jaguars general manager speaking for the first time since their season-ending defeat at the hands of the Tennessee Titans a week and a half ago. In case you missed it, I was not at the presser this morning, a previous speaking engagement that has been scheduled since July. And unlike some folks at the bank, I do take accountability for my actions. Uh, one gentleman who was there, though, joins us now. Let's ring up another guest on the All-Pro Roofing phone line. The embedded and shredded was definitely embedded. Hayes Carline joins us now. You'll hear plenty, plenty more from him on the Frangie Show, but we wanted to get first reaction. Hayes, welcome in. How you doing, bud? Doing great. Thanks for having me. What did you think? Uh, because, uh, yeah, we, we, we're in an, like an all-out assault uh, attack mode right now. What did you think? Well, I think it's clear that Trent Baalke laid it at the feet of the coaches. I mean, in terms of what went wrong. I mean, he was asked about Luke Fortner and his response is, I think Fortner can play at this level and has shown <laughs> signs that he can play at this level. It was more of a systematic issue. Well, I mean, there's no other way to translate that other than he puts it at the feet of Doug Peterson, Press Taylor, and Phil Rauscher. And, and that wasn't the only time that that, that happened. Now, there were, there were instances where Trent said, you know, we've got to get bigger. We've got to get stronger. We've got to play with more physicality. And, and that obviously is going to start in the front office by identifying those players that, that can do that. Uh, but, but, yeah, I mean, I, I, again, I, I think it's, it's what you would expect it to be. It's, uh, you know, Trent Baalke saying, I mean, you could have predicted that he was going to eventually get to, look, we won nine games. It's not like we were three and 14. And, and that, that came about two thirds of the way through it. So, um, you know, and, and looking at it, it's, uh, you know, I think it's, it's clear that I don't know about disconnect, but it's clear the front office is not thrilled with how the team was coached. Now, Hayes, you know, what's troublesome to me is that this team really doesn't have an identity or any real culture. I mean, so when, when you go after uh, players, I mean, what, did it, what is it to be a Jaguar is the question that I, I want to ask. Well, and, and it's a great point, Leon, because Trent Baalke brought up the word identity multiple times when talking about the offense and saying we don't have an identity. Well, that's on the coaches. That's, that's a criticism of the coaches. And, look, I'm not saying he's wrong on that. I think they have problems on offense, you know, that we've, we've talked about. Uh, and, you know, I think in looking at it, your, your identity on offense is, is your offensive line. Because ultimately, if you want to be a run team, well, they've got open holes. If you want to be a team that throws it 60 times a game for 400 yards, they've got to protect. So at any level of football, your offensive identity is going to be formed by your line. And, Again, they really struggled. Uh, they couldn't run the ball at all throughout the year. They were miserable on short yardage, and the quarterback got beat up. I mean, Trent went through all four of, of Trevor's injuries, uh, ankle, shoulder, knee, concussion. I mean, for a single season, and, and he did say Trevor needs to do a better job of protecting himself too, but you know, if you can't run the ball, you're awful in short yardage, and your quarterback had to battle through four injuries, yeah, you probably had a miserable offensive line, and they were probably miserably coached. 
And I think that's how he views it. I mean, I, I think he tried to say it as delicately as he can, but I didn't walk away from it thinking there's much confidence that the front office has that the Jaguar current offensive coaching staff is is going to get it fixed. So, Hayes, my whole point with this, I guess, is, and I said this yesterday, I, I, I wish he would go. Yesterday I said I wish he would just go up there and say, I failed, Doug failed, players failed. We all failed. But I feel like he was always looking for to place blame somewhere else. I don't mind him calling out coaches saying that players need to be developed better, but to get offended when people start questioning his picks, to me, it just looks like he's always looking for a scapegoat. Well, and any time he's asked you know, a pointed question about a mistake he's made, it's always, well, I don't live in the past. You know, I, don't, I don't work in regret. And you know, that's an easy thing to say when to, to avoid getting around answering your multiple blunders. Right. I mean, the, the edge rush is a prime example. Like, how do you not get in front of your fan base today and say, we should have been more aggressive? Uh, you know, we, we should not have, have left it up to uh, Chase on and Smoot to, to give us the supplemental edge rush that we needed behind Josh and Trayvon. And there wasn't any of that. He was like, well, we, we brought Clowney in. Well, so what? Right. Get the deal done. I mean, that doesn't mean anything. I mean, who who cares that? I mean, in a sense, it's even worse. It's, so you ought, you had an interest to bring him in, and he's like, "Well, the player wanted to go somewhere else." Well, <laughs> this is professional football. I mean, you put a number on him, he's not going to say no. You know, and so it's. Uh, I, I thought the excuses that he gave were flimsy, uh, and yeah, it would be nice to to hear Trent Baalke say that something was his fault, but we've been around them enough to know that that's not going to come out you know when it's when it's something that's a bulky mistake he's going to say i don't live in the past and i don't operate under any sort of regret you hear that one joe mm, that's, that's the so. point i was trying to make earlier yeah. car Lyon. you get him every day on the frangie show 3 to 6 p.m he is the embedded and shredded hayes car Lyon on the all pro roofing hotline that's exactly the point i made coming in when it was Earth brim hellfire in this room, and this I, will continue. But I, yeah. Hayes, you know, I said to them, I'm like, what else did you expect? He's been here three years, as the text line pointed out, because I butchered the cliche. A leopard doesn't change its spots. Like this is, this is who he is. Um, and, and that that was at least my takeaway. Like whether you agree with things he's saying or not, like he's never going to throw himself under the bus. At least in my three years of working with him. And again, you know, there's certain things too. Like, let's talk about Josh Allen and and that. Uh, and and he does, he you know, he did guarantee that Josh Allen's going to be on the team next year. But they need to get the deal done with Josh Allen. And he says, well, we haven't, you know, we haven't started that process yet. How is that possible? Now, again, I get that <laughs> deals are done at deadlines, and they've got until February, I think, fourth before they have to apply the tag to Josh Allen. I understand that, that deals can, can come together quickly, but it's like, why wouldn't it be more of a priority? I mean, particularly in light of needing to use the tag, perhaps, on Calvin Ridley uh, to protect your second-round pick, it just, or avoid Ridley hitting the market where one of the other 31 clubs could make him just a ridiculous offer, and, and there he goes. So, uh, I, again, it's just disappointing. It's like, the season didn't just end. You waited 17 days for whatever reason to do this. And while it's great that fans that, you know, 
love Josh Allen, can count on him playing next year. There's a far cry from signing him to a lucrative extension and tagging him. If you tag him, you're not going to have him until probably Wednesday of week one. I mean, probably that's what's going to happen is you will not see him until basically you're three days, four days away from your opener because I don't think he's going to miss checks versus signing him to a the lucrative extension that he's clearly earned and sending a, a strong statement to your locker room and the rest of the league that the Jaguars reward their good players. Yep. It just it, it's just striking to me that that there there would be no and I, and I don't and we we know Josh this isn't a I'm obviously his agent's going to try and get him the best deal. But but he's not going to play crazy hardball here. He wants to be here. So I found it disappointing that it's it's obviously uh, you know at a point where they haven't really even started discussing anything yet. I just that just doesn't make sense to me. Now if Trent had said we've tried to start negotiations and his uh, representation wants to wait it out a little bit, okay, fine. Well then that's not on you. I understand it takes two to to get a deal done, but he didn't say that. So the impression that he gave was that the Jaguars haven't really initiated any contact, which I just, I just, I just think that's a bad way to do business with a player that gave you the kind of season Josh Allen did, and it's been such a, a great ambassador for the club. Yeah, right from the jump, at the very least, you say, "Hey, we love what just happened. We want more of it. Let's begin soon talking anything." And you could just at least say that we're talking with Hayes Carlin. You'll be able to hear him on the Frangie Show later on. Of course, he'll have plenty coming uh, on the Jaguars front uh, at 1010XL.com or on social. And the other, I, I, I said earlier, Hayes, I said Trent Baalke just harbawed Doug Peterson. He just began the process of harbawing him. And and so frustrating and, and blaming him. And he said we had 21 of 22 starters coming back uh, and played in the divisional round a year ago. Teams do not flame out like this. I'm paraphrasing. And then he said they need competition in these rooms. And I'm telling you, what, what you said and what I'm guessing most others have said is that he is saying to Doug Peterson, you did not do a good enough job with the football team I gave you. There's no doubt about it. I mean, again – it all goes back to when he says that Luke Fortner, when he's asked about Luke Fortner, who can't play, it looks like, in, at this level, and you say it's a systematic issue, I, I just, I, I mean, obviously, you've, you've, that's the line he's drawn in the sand. I mean, if, if, if you're willing to defend Luke Fortner's play and put it on the coaches, I mean, to me, that's exhibit A of there's obviously a, you know, a, a disconnect. And, and, you know, obviously he's not going to get up there today and say, yeah, you know, I don't really like Doug. Doug doesn't really like me. We don't see eye to eye on a lot of things. But, you know, we have to work together because neither one of us want to lose our job. Never been better. If I get fired, I'll never be a GM again. Yeah. If he gets fired, he's probably not going to ever be a head coach again. Um, and so, uh, you know, I, I, everybody understands that, where they're coming from. But. Look, just go back to if they were really in lockstep, they would have met the media postseason together. It would have been Doug, and it would have been Trent, right. yep. and it would have right. been the Tuesday yep. or Wednesday after the Titans lost. Yep. Yep. It wouldn't have been Doug the day after, and then 17 days later, the GM decides to go. Uh, 
you know, and, and this is the thing, like Trent will say, you know, he's asked about the offense and what he wants to see differently. Well, I'm not a coach, but he acts like it all the time. I mean, it's hilarious for him to say that in a public setting. And then two minutes later, he's saying that, well, the Ryan Nielsen hire was Doug's hire, but certainly I sat in on the meetings. Well, <laughs> why would you do that? If, if the staff is Doug's decision and you're not a coach, why be in those meetings at all? Hmm. Now, Hayes, listen, I've seen Fortner play all year long. He couldn't have been in no weight room. He had to be in water aerobics the way he played in half these games. I'll just be honest with you, bro. I'm just, I'm just telling yeah. you. But here's, yeah. as far as the team goes, man, I listen, as much as I, you know, want to take, put the blame on the coaching staff and all that kind of stuff, Hayes, I've just been, I've been in too many locker rooms and I played this game long enough to know that the lack of leadership and the mental aptitude down the end is what this team lacked. Because if you're eight and three, you just don't go eight and three, number one seed, and then out the playoffs. I mean, the lack of leadership and the lack of mental toughness on on this team, the lack of leadership on this team, I think it may have be garnered in that locker room to the reason why this team didn't finish strong. Because I've either been on good teams that finish strong or bad teams that finish strong. Either way, we were mentally tough enough and we had the leadership in place in that locker room to make sure that we made something out of the season. Well, and that's the thing, Leon, is it, it, it's the further you get away from it, the clearer it is. Defensively, they really weren't on the same page the last four or five weeks of the season. I mean, it, it, it almost makes you wonder. And then you look at how they played in Nashville. Did they, even, did they even want to play another week? Did they want to see each other for another week of practices in a playoff game? As stunning as that is to, to think, that's how they played defensively at the end they played like just get us out of here we want this over we don't like it here we don't like what's going on and it's just with everything that was on the line it's just it's really hard to stomach that uh you know and obviously they've they've at least addressed that side with uh you know in in terms of changing it at coordinator and and a new defensive staff for the most part but i think we're going to look back on all this in 10 months and say they needed to do much more this off season than what they've decided to do. And I think they're kicking the can a little bit. And ultimately I think this is going to fail. I mean, I hope I'm wrong. I hope they have a great season and you know, they, they certainly have a, a good nucleus of talent, but I look at what the division has become. I look at where this offense is uh, and the stubbornness of Doug Peterson. I look at Trent Baalke's, record as a GM and his evaluation of, of free agents in the draft. And frankly, I'm concerned. Hayes, one thing that the text line designed by Lifetime Enclosures is wondering, and I, again, I missed the first half of this press conference due to a, another engagement, but did you feel like, and especially knowing the reporting myself, you, Pete Prisco, so many others have done, did you feel like Press Taylor was actually referenced? Was, was the press issue pressed? by reporters to Trent Baalke this morning, and did he actually reflect upon that systemic issue of the offense as a whole? Yeah, he was asked directly about Press Taylor. And, you know, again, he uh, he went back to the lack of an identity, the lack of being able to run the ball. Uh, and, you know, again, I, when, when you look at, when you review this, I think it's going to be almost incredible to believe that a general manager would say the things that he is saying. And I mean, again, 17 days after the season ended or however many days it's been and 
you look at what he said and and then realize that the offensive staff is still completely intact. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's again, it's and, and I don't know that Trent's wrong on that. I mean, I, I do think they've got offensive problems. So I, to me, it's not the, the Jaguars is not a only a Trent Baalke issue. I think it is a Trent Baalke issue. There there is an issue there. But the but the Doug Peterson handing the offense over to Press Taylor, that was a colossal mistake. I mean, the Falcons have interviewed 187 people, and Press Taylor isn't one of them. My interview's tomorrow. When's yours, Carline? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's just – I mean, if, if he fired Press Taylor, would anyone even remotely consider him for an offensive coordinator position? His brother already and the answer the is no. Yeah. yeah. So why is he doing that here? Yeah. Uh, uh, listen, dude, uh, we appreciate it. We wanted that immediate reaction. We know you'll have plenty more coming up later on. Uh, but, yeah, the, the talk of the town right now is, is Trent Baalke uh, and what's going to happen next. Uh, appreciate it as always, my brother. Sure thing. Thanks for having me. Take care. All right, man. And uh, uh, he said uh, one thing that I totally agree with <laughs> and said earlier, Trent is a wannabe whistle guy around his neck. He is. And it's he funny is. because I was as I was driving in, I had a buddy of mine text me and say, it really feels like Bulky wants to be the coach and to be called football Jesus. I, I'm just, I, I've, I've heard it from too many people, and this just did it to me one more time. That just happened. Brought to you by Florida Home AC, the official air conditioning partner of the Jacksonville Jaguars. So Trent either wants to be Doug Peterson or Dave Canales, okay, because he is now the Carolina Panthers head coach, uh, fresh out of high school, uh, which is my, you know, I, he wasn't that long ago. How many years did you 2004. tell me? Yeah, I don't care. 20 years ago. Yeah, I don't care. Uh, fresh out of high school. Anyway, uh, offensive coordinator and revived Baker Mayfield's career in a lot of ways down in Tampa Town. You can give him credit for that. Now, granted, they had a lot of other good players uh, that Baker was throwing the ball to. But inside the NFC South, he will move from Tampa Town up to Charlotte. Here's the interesting note about that. Thank you to Adam Schefter for connecting the dots. New Panthers GM Dan Morgan, who was promoted internally, many believe that was because he's a Tepper yes man. I don't want to speak for Dan Morgan, but just throwing it out there, he was part of the organization. He was retained even when Scott Fitterer and company were let go. Uh, we like Dan Morgan on this show. He's a Miami Hurricane. That is very, yeah, Leon, very Leon's true. Leon's getting nervous over here. You that is very, yes very man. true. That's very, very true. Uh, he did spend eight years with Dave Canales in Seattle because he didn't come right from high school. He came from the Seattle Seahawks, <laughs> where he was from 2010 to 2017. Yeah. Uh, and so, look, the guy, uh, you have first-time offensive coordinator, and you have to give him credit because he did do something special, but we'll find out between he and Bobby Slowick, okay? I mean, these are the like the, the guys that are just being shot out of a cannon as far as coaching candidacy is concerned. All right, so here we are. Real quick, let's just stay on the subject. Jim Harbaugh, now the L.A. Chargers coach. Gerard Mayo taking over for belly. Antonio Pierce, interim to full-time. Brian Callahan, don't leave, don't leave. Uh, the Bengals OC now the Titans head coach. The Panthers have filled their job. So we're waiting on Seattle, Atlanta, and Washington. And I'm thinking the GOAT is just going to get left out. Yeah, is, I, I was just going to ask you that. How surprised that. are you that Belly is not getting more attention from anybody other than their Falcons? Did you listen? Because I know you watch Get Up in the Mornings. Apparently mm-hmm. Schefter came on and said he doesn't think Belichick's the leading candidate in Atlanta. Really, I didn't. Yeah. Who would be? Who would be? That's I've, seventeen I've heard, other candidates, so right. just like yeah. Hayes said, that they've interviewed. I didn't listen Taylor. to the full clip. Yeah, 
right? Mm-hmm. Hey, he hasn't had his interview yet, but there's still time. But no, apparently Schefter reported this morning that as much as everyone under the sun thinks it's mm-hmm. Belichick or nobody, he he thinks it's somebody else. And the only mm-hmm. thing I think, and again, this is assuming, and you know Which what the so assume weird. does to you, is that he either asked for too much power or he didn't say the things that Arthur Blank wanted to hear him say, or Belly well, said something, you don't have a good enough football team for me well, to come here, in here's my, here's my Here's my knock on Belly. How relatable is he to the players now? I mean, because, listen, I mean, back when I played in my era, you know, Coach said something, you did it. In this era, it's yeah. like players, you know, they've got a – it's backlash. Yeah, you know, they, there's always they need a reason why they. they I'm just saying. Because I, wonder how I much, have six Super Bowl rings. Yeah. Uh, That's well, I, why. Yeah, I know, but he has. I mean, listen, that. Yeah. And by the way, there that are that should be enough. Yeah, right. Well, these kids there don't. Are, these kids when they were born, though. they weren't like, born. We won the Super Bowl. These are adults. Yeah, there are. Guys. I mean, they are adults now, but they they weren't watching Belly. Yes, they were. They were. But these kids, 21 years old, okay, right? Maybe like what? rookies. Okay. They watched them win in 7 yeah. and 12 and 17 or whatever it was, so they, they at least saw that. But here's the thing, mm-hmm. and this is the part that I don't know the answer to and I don't know whether we will ever find out, is how much power did he ask for? Mm-hmm. And the thing that you have to know or at least look back on and say is that Bill Belichick, the head coach, always regarded uh, among the greatest of all time, but Bill Belichick, the personnel – Mm-hmm. guy, the general manager guy, didn't get it done up in New England after Tommy left. Mm-hmm. And he still puts together kick-ass defenses. He still has that side of the ball figured out. And if he'd have gone to Atlanta with already good pieces on that side and definitely good pieces on the offensive side, go get him a quarterback, I, I really was fascinated at the idea of him doing it. But there there has to be a, a turnoff switch for him, in those, at least in that particular interview. Yeah. Seattle's, he didn't interview anywhere The else. Seattle Seahawks still have an opening as well. Um, Dan Quinn expected to interview today, his second go-round with them. And, and who would be the leader in the commanders? Uh, I thought it was uh, Ben Johnson, yeah, the Detroit Lions OC, who can't interview in person because he's still the Lions OC. Uh-huh. But Bobby Slowick is obviously interviewing with them, yeah. as well as the Atlanta Falcons. That's still a hot young name. He was just named a finalist for the NFL's assistant coach of the year for the NFL Honors Program coming up in two weeks from today. So, I mean... I kind of hope Belichick goes to Seattle. I don't want to see him in a dome environment. Well, my thing is, if we're going to give Dan Quinn a second go round after what happened in that Cowboys loss in the first round of the playoffs to the Packers, like, why wouldn't we give Belichick a second life? I mean, I know this is—he's already technically on his second life with the Patriots after the Browns, you know, the failure of the Browns. Yeah, yeah, we're talking two decades right. of, of what he's done up there, and, and it's not stacking up in the owner's eyes. I, I don't know why you guys won't, won't like, accept this. Yep, what well, I was no, saying no, yesterday not, is, is I think owners are looking at what's happened since Brady left and I, said, I, I, eh, I, don't I don't think, know, man. Yeah, I don't think that you're way off base because I do think that's real. That is part of the equation. How could it not be? Seriously. Yeah, I do think yeah, it's think part owners of the equation. Are stupid, some of them. But, but, I don't know about that. But like we said, some at, of them, yeah. the <laughs> defense has always been sturdy, right? It's been really. It's it's held up its end of the bargain. The What's entire, his record without Brady? It's mm. not good. Right. And, and who, who's going to be his OC wherever he goes? And, and look at Mac Jones and his development yeah. with the Patriots. That's that, his that's damage. He made Matt that, Patricia, who's a DC, than, his OC one year. Yeah. Like, you want to hire somebody like that? Right. So those are yeah. honestly those. You're like I said. You're not wrong. I'm not arguing against your point. But I am saying that we are talking about the guy who has hardware, who is you considered know. the goat, and. He's not. His phone is not ringing. And in the beginning, when we had this discussion when it came out of, I think the uh, report was 
that Robert Kraft told him when they were leaving Europe, when they were leaving Germany, they played in Frankfurt, right, that he would not return as the head coach. And I thought, okay, walk off in the sunset. And then we all had the discussion, oh, no, no, he wants to chase Shula's record. Well, Shula's getting the last laugh from the grave right now because <laughs> he ain't going to have a chance. He's not going to have a chance to get to 347 based I, on the I would things. bet my life he'll have a job before the – Start of next season. Are you really going to say that? Yes, yeah. dude. Again? I think we'll get hired by with Atlanta. You already bet your mom's we, life and lost. Yeah. Can we take now your life? You bet your own? Can uh, we take your life before you go to Italy? By the way, does Linda know you bet her life? Before I go to Italy. Like, <laughs> let's be real. I, I think Atlanta's going to So we happen. can take his life before he does goes Does Linda to know you bet her life, by the way? Yeah, I called her immediately and let her know. I blame Saban for that. Let's roll into the... One o'clock hour, more reaction. Speaking of Saban, real quick, uh, one more shout out for the Mandarin Women's Club ladies. A lot mm-hmm. of Alabama fans. Mm-hmm. And I, I, you know, I come in and they're all dressed in their sports gear. And I'm like, how y'all doing? And they go, oh, you know, things are changing. Things are changing. Honestly, like I haven't felt like like where it felt like a, a state, like, a, you know, what, what do they say uh, when it's a funeral? State of mourning. Yes, a right. state of mourning. Like yeah. it was still a state of mourning. Well, you know, Kalen DeBoer did get his biggest recruit of the uh, offseason yesterday. Right. right. Huge five-star wide receiver who was committed there before, decommitted. He's an Alabama kid. So right. that Williams. was a big one for him. Big, right. Big so that's, that's what I'm saying. Well, they, they were also concerned about transfer portal. So I'm telling you, these ladies were very oh, nuanced. They I had lots it. of questions about the portal, especially with Alabama and who can actually be committed with the 30-day limit. I was like, man, oh, man, I got the better audience than Trent Bulky. I already knew that coming in for the speaking <laughs> engagement, but they are as engaged as could be, but I had to get that Alabama morning. I just I couldn't believe it. It's been two and a half weeks. Well, and look, they're, they're still in a state of mourning. I was say, like, oh, my God, I feel so bad. Saying goodbye to Saban is never easy. Never this easy. All is, right, don't say goodbye to yeah, us. Oh, oh, yeah, true. Just taking a break. We'll be right back. This is XL Primetime. You know, we had 21 of 22 starters coming back last year. Uh, so to go into the draft, especially where we were picking and think you're going to get come away with four immediate starters is not realistic. Uh, does it happen on some teams? Yeah, but it usually doesn't happen on a team that made it to the divisional round of the playoffs. Grilling up lunch with Leon and the Sausage Dudes. Sausage with a purpose on 1010XL. Unbelievable stuff from Trent Baalke, the general manager. Those who know him know him. Those on the outside wonder. Uh, But what he did uh, was pass off uh, any of the responsibility for the late fade from this football team uh, off to the coaching staff, at least in my opinion. One o'clock hour is here. Joe C., me, O'Brien, Matty Hayes, Big Surson, JJ. Uh, that was Trent Baalke. Uh, we ran the press conference live in the 11, in the 11 o'clock hour, thanks to Jaguars.com, dot com, and we will keep coming back to some of the sound bites Joe, from Joe, earlier. What, is, what does that even mean? <laughs> it, the fact that you went to the divisional round yeah. and – Usually you look for starters, and and it didn't work. I mean, what does that mean? I'll give you. I, I'm trying to figure out what does that mean. Yeah. Because if I'm not if I'm not mistaken, every year you're trying to improve. That's the idea. And you go in the draft and you try to find guys who can come and replace the guys that you figure are on the fence guys. Well, I'll give so you, he's so he's yeah. basically saying, yeah, yeah, the four guys we picked. We knew they weren't that good, mm-hmm. but we're yeah. going to Basically, them. yeah, that's what you're saying. How does that also even mean? Said, and, and, J.J., just keep <clears> – <throat> like, if you see one that applies, play it. We'll play it. But he basically said you need to get to the second contract for these guys to develop. Now, I'll give you a classic All example right. that count, run, runs 100% counter to what he just said. 
It usually doesn't happen where you have four rookie starters, especially with a team that makes it to the divisional round. The team that beat you last year in the divisional round had four rookie starters. Yes, they did. Had four rookie starters in the Super Bowl. Has Pacheco mm-hmm. made it to a second contract yeah. yet? Yeah. No. 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 Thank you. No. And so that right there alone ends the argument. The team that beat you mm-hmm. played 10 rookies and had four rookie starters. And so, yeah, uh, get that out of here, Trent Balky. Okay, and so on and on and on. Now, the other one I'd like to get, if you have that competition in the room, they need to create competition in the room because that's another one which also, again, charges the coaches with making this team better as opposed to the personnel that's being brought in. And we can go on and on and on with the guys, the rookies, that Mm -hmm. made impact on their football team this year well, that Trent had on that draft board that probably could have gotten. Well, I mean, this team was comfortable. That, that's the problem I, I see with this team, especially going on in the season. They were comfortable. There was no effort made to get better because they figured that – what was the word that we heard that, that they were fine and they were developing their talent? That's what we heard all season long moving forward. They were fine. They were we developing like our locker their room. We like our locker room. The guys are good. We're developing our talent. There's no need to go out and get better. Couple off the text line, designed by Lifetime Enclosures, six four one ten ten. The number to reach us at. Get in on the conversation there. The YouTube chat line, or of course the pop off line as well. Uh, this one from four four nine. Considering Trent spent a number of years working in California, are we really surprised that he blames any and everyone else and never himself? <laughs> I, I thought like that, that was one of the best tweets, best texts. Excuse me, we've gotten today. Thank you. I also liked this one from five three four. I bet our boy Hacker's biggest takeaway is that Bulky called Disney World Disneyland mistakenly. Sad. <laughs> mm. uh, it, Thank it, you for bringing some yeah. lightheartedness. Look, yeah. I know this is all tough to digest, and I listen. I, I will clarify. When I say I'm not surprised, that's not to say status quo is a good thing. I'm just telling you at this point. If, that's how it sounded. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, at, at this point, that's what Trent Bulky is, is status quo. Mm-hmm. What we have, it's built, in the words of Gus Bradley. Well, I, I'm, it's not built. Even, I'm not even agreeing with that because I think he's undermining. He's not saying be happy with this. He's saying blame someone else for this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and and so, like I said, on the outside looking in, they don't see this guy on a daily basis. They're just wondering what the H is going on with my football team. I bought these tickets. I went to those games. I yelled my butt off. What happened to this football team? And, and, and all you do, in, I don't care where you are, you try to get better. And that's what these other teams, and that's why we're raving about, uh, like I'll give you the example. We had the good argument yesterday about, uh, Brock Purdy and what he's been able to do. How about these numbers, okay? Brock Purdy was the last guy taken. He's now famously known as Mr. Irrelevant, the last guy taken in the draft. Brock Purdy's completion percentage outside the numbers, 74%. Beyond the sticks, 64%. Under duress, 60%. Led the NFL in all three categories. Mm. Now that's Shanahan and his coaching, his playbook, all of that, but it's also the player. Mm-hmm. And they chose to get that player late and said, you know what, we can develop him. So, I, again, I will go back to you, Leon. I have no problem charging the coaches with coaching better, but you can't take away those personnel decisions. No, 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 no. I mean, Shanahan did a phenomenal job with a guy who was a seventh-round pick last overall. I mean, that, that, that's, that's a guy that, he, that fits well in the system runs his offense to, to a T, and was developed properly, not only on the field, but also his mental aptitude as far as his mental toughness in games. That, that's important as well. 
the way he plays the football. I, I just go back to the left, the whole left guard thing. It just blows mm-hmm. me away. From, yep. the, from the start of the season. That's a good you're, one. You're relying on a guy who's coming off major surgery to be your left guard. Mm-hmm. All right? You know you're not, your starting left tackle is going to be out the first four games. You know you have a rookie on the right side. Why would you not do everything possible to make the middle three as strong as possible? Instead of relying on a guy that's coming off major surgery yeah. and his backup, who's just and, a guy, and, we and, have to and your right guard, who quite frankly is is old and getting older. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. We have to remind everybody two serious injury timelines: the one you're bringing up, Matt, bringing Ben Barch back and not clearing him until the final preseason game. It was yep. a two week mm-hmm. gap, and then cut him. Yeah. A quarter into the season. Yeah. So, and oh, he got signed by the team that has the best odds, according to Vegas, right still, now. Still right. playing to win right. the Super Bowl. Forty yeah, right. Still playing, and so. Okay, you had a significant injury to a guy that you were counting on as a starter and didn't clear him until two weeks before the season. Who's the other guy at the line of scrimmage? Dewan Smoot. Mm. Right, hey, think same about thing. wasn't ready till week six. Same thing, yeah. but, my, but my point is if so, you're so in words, invested in, words, in this guy, in, in other the words, left two, guard, right? Two serious, injury, yeah, well, two serious injuries to two key players that you counted on coming back that no, they would I be get okay. It. I get it, but if you're so invested in this left guard, Barchi, okay, why would you cut him a quarter into the season? Because he wasn't doing his job, was and, and you were wrong. Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to figure out why yeah. was the, the investment made in the first place when what has Barch done to give you to give you the ring, the, the confidence that he's going to be able to play exactly any kind of football. Because our argument all along is that Shatley, Barch, whomever you had plugged in there, mm-hmm. there wasn't much difference, no. and it was a C C plus grade. It all, wasn't all three. Yeah, it yeah there was no upgrade. No, there was status quo. Yeah, it was absolutely status. And the reason why your offensive line struggled is because you stayed the same. You didn't get better at any position. Now, when Sheriff initially came in here, he was an All Pro. He was absolutely All Pro. Right. Before then, all those other guys, they were just guys. There mm-hmm. was no upgrade. And he's complaining about the four injuries Trevor sustained. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why do you think he sustained the injuries? Hell, he should work on his 40, the way they were coming up the middle against him. All right, JJ, roll the one soundbite again. Some of these are long, and I did appreciate some of the texters or tweeters uh, that pointed out that he did take a long time to not say a lot. Uh, but here it is as far as the second contract, guys. When I look at a player, does he deserve to be paid or doesn't he? whether he's a, a draft pick of ours or, or a free agent that's come in or a free agent from some other team, do they deserve to get paid? You know, you hope to get a premium on a, you know, not pay a premium on a guy that you've, you've drafted uh, simply because you get to do it a year earlier and the market hasn't had a chance to weigh in on it. Uh, but you also want to pay guys fairly, right? So I, I do think there's a, some really good young players on this roster that we drafted that are going to be second contract guys. And look at the teams that are winning. Look at the teams that are still playing. They're, they're not, they're not, they don't have a roster full of first contract players. It's a roster full of second contract players and third contract players. That's how you win. You know, experience does matter. Mm. It's not true. The Chiefs starting center is on his first contract. Their left tackle is on his first contract. The running backs on his first contract. All of their receivers are on their first contract. Yeah, you can go to Trent McDuffie. You can go to a lot of other guys. And, and their entire secondary is on their first contract. Yeah. And you can take a look at uh, the rookies, like we said. The Devon, I like to call him Devon A-Chain. Uh, the 
Puka Nakua's uh, on and on and on with the other guys that have made impacts, immediate impacts on their football team. And take a look at – you can go to the run game. Guys that were available in the third he's round. He's asking for like three or four more years right there is what he's doing. Because well, he yeah. needs time to get to yeah. the second contract. It always takes time. That, see, that's what I got a kick out of. We need late. to get bigger, faster, stronger. Because that's what every – and you know this, Matt. Every head coach that takes over a college football team, what does he say? I think the only one that hasn't said it is Kalen DeBoer. Okay? But other than that, everyone says we need to get bigger, faster, we need stronger. To get bigger, faster, and stronger. that's what he said. I and mean, so, the narcissism of this guy is unbelievable. Yeah. Seriously. It's unreal. Yeah. It's unreal that he will not sit there and just say, yeah, we blew it. And, and, and look, as a whole, and I, if I'm going back, I'm trying to remember, Doug Peterson said we blew it, right? <laughs> he had no problem saying we blew it. We'll even maybe pair up one of his sound bites. What's too. Dougie P think of this, by the way? Yeah. Sitting there listening to that. Sitting well, in his office listening to that. What do you I think am now going to officially name it the Harbaugh Harpoon, and he is now <laughs> harpooning Doug Peterson. That's what he's doing yeah. right now. Yeah. Okay? And uh, I can see it. I'm saying it, and we'll find out whether or not it, it happens. But Doug does have one thing, Leon, and we can keep this conversation going, is that he's got to make it right with the, with, the, with the coaches he brings aboard. He is right or wrong being put on notice right now. Yeah, After it, two nine-win seasons, it's yeah. two eight-loss seasons, he is being put on notice. Yeah, because the defensive coordinator, whether he picked him or Trent Barkey picked him, whoever the sisters they bring in, I mean, I'm sure he's got to, be, he's got to give the stamp of approval, whoever he brings in, because you essentially – you put the defense on blast mm-hmm. and they get fired. Yeah. Okay, so now you got a new defensive coordinator who's bringing in his own staff. If the, we see the same old defense again, and that's on his watch. Mm-hmm. It sure is. That's on it sure him. is. And that's what it boils down to. All right, you guys keep it rolling. Six four one ten ten. Hit the text line on YouTube at 1010XL. You can check us out there, throw a comment that way. And, of course, the pop-off line always available to you, 207-7071. You just join us. What did you think about what Trent Balky, your general manager – of the cats had to say. I'm not worried about my job. That's not how I live. I don't live in regrets. I don't live worried about my job. You know, if someone can do it better, step up. Grilling up lunch with Leon and the Sausage Dudes. Sausage with a purpose on 1010XL. I say this a lot, both on the air and off, but print the shirts, man. I live life with no regrets. And if you think you could do a better job than Trent Bulky, you can hit the pop-off line, 207-7071, or the text line at 641-1010, because uh, apparently the issue, the challenge has been issued, Leon Cersei, Matt Hayes, Joe, Joe Coward. Well, I feel like Trent should be calling the pop-off line at any moment uh, just to let us know what he, you know, kind of what, what his takeaway is as far as this presser that he held earlier. Hopefully he will, uh, 207-7071. He actually did, but... With his real voice. Oh, that doesn't count. Yeah, it really was upsetting. Yeah. In character, bro. In character. That's what we're looking for. Like, I thought you were a method actor, Yeah, man. come on. Yeah, seriously. Daniel Day-Lewis, he is that guy. Yeah. You know, whatever movie he... When he when we say cut, yeah. he's still the guy. He's still... That's the original Marlon You're Brando. always Trent Balky. Yeah. Yeah, Stop be being else. yourself. Yeah. We don't care about you. <laughs> yeah. We care about you as Trent, but... I love when he says step up, okay, because my recollection, there were interviews for other guys that were stepping up, and he was able to keep that job. Uh, the Rick the Spielmans of the world, who we have had on, on a regular basis and now is advising another team. So uh, there are others that are out there. Look, they have blown out some front offices around the National Football League. Uh, today's world, and I think we've said this before, Leon, today's world, man, I know that, that – 
three coaches over decades in Pittsburgh. That stuff doesn't exist. Bill Belichick, for 20-some years, they are so rare because they kept winning. Uh, there are so many franchises that are looking at those and just so envious of them. If you don't get it done now, they jettison you, man. They get you out. Oh, loyalty is jaded now. Yeah, I mean, the, 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 the organizations, they, they want to win now mm-hmm. because they're seeing so much turnover from all organizations that are having success within a three-year span. These coaches now, unlike in the past, maybe gotten five years, you'll see guys like Howard go you know, length, lengthy uh, 10 years in time. Those days mm-hmm. are over with. If you, you essentially have three years. You're, you're three and done. And if, if, you, if your team doesn't have any success, if your team has success within that period, then you get another three years. Right. But but after after that, after three years, if you if you struggle in any capacity, I mean, you could be, uh, you know, washing windows at the, <laughs> at, the, at the end of your tenure. The one, the window gang. Yeah. Or, yes. Yeah, the win, yeah. Window. 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 Gang. window. No, window. Right. That's window, window gang. gang. Yes. yes. I'm just yes. trying to make sure I get that right. Yes. But, uh, but yes, that's possible. And, and thank you thing, for checking that because yeah. we need to make sure it's specific. Yeah, exactly. But the thing is, is that it, like I don't mind putting Doug Peterson or any of the coaches, uh, you know, under the lamp and say, hey, what are you doing wrong? What can you do better? I And I like the fact that a GM is willing to challenge them on that. If we learned anything out of this presser, mm-hmm. and I'm not sure that, uh, you know, a lot of people are pleased with what they heard, but the original idea from Shad Khan was that both Doug Peterson and Trent Baalke report directly to the owner. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's well, not what I heard. Well, I, listen. That's I'm, not what I heard. No, no, that's not what I heard neither. I, I heard that Trent Baalke's putting Doug Peterson on the, on the duress a little mm-hmm. bit. Mm-hmm. That, you know, yeah, your first year was a success. This year was a failure. And I expect more out of you this season. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's the impression that I got from him. But, you know, with the development of the players that I bring you, with the development of Trevor and all the other kind of stuff, Baalke, I mean, Baalke's basically saying that he's got to do a better job. You know, the one thing, Matt, that we were talking about earlier that kind of got uh, you and, and all of us kind of rolling was that he said we need, you know, the question was asked about where Trevor's at. And he said basically, and J.J., pull this one up. If you have it, Trevor had a learning year. we got to do a better job keeping him safe. He's got to protect himself. And we have everything we need here. And I went back to that whole offensive line discussion. Isn't he a crossing guard? Yeah. Too? I mean, he's totally- <laughs> I mean it's, a, it's not a learning year. It's a running for his life year is what he had. Yeah, because year three, I don't really think you're going to call that too often a learning year. This was supposed to be step into stardom year for Trevor Lawrence. He was in the MVP, MVP discussion in the offseason leading up to the beginning of this year. It's just, it just seems like it's just always an excuse. He's always looking for an excuse to deflect away from personnel decisions. He's the guy with personnel decisions. He's the reason why they didn't try and do, get something as far as edge rush beyond your, your, your two starters. He's the reason why they let that offensive line go. He's the reason why they can't, still can't cover in the secondary man coverage. I, I don't see that. That's what I look at. If I'm the, the, the president, the owner of this company, that's the one thing I'm thinking. Well, we don't have dudes out there. Mm-hmm. That's the problem. How do you get dudes? Well, you draft and you go free agency. Who does the draft in the free agency? The general manager. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And when you start looking at guys that were available, and you can't look at all the rookies that were great out there and say you should have had more of them versus what you did ultimately draft. You just got to look at who was available on the board when you chose the player you chose. And that's what they did. And it's so funny because I'll admit it, I'll raise my hand. I thought Doug Peterson was more in control of the draft after the first three rounds, one by necessity, Anton Harrison. 
No question. No doubt. By necessity. No doubt. You got a guy that's missing four games, got to draft an offensive uh, lineman in the first round. But then after that, a Brenton Strange and a Tank Bigsby decision in the second and third round, it screamed Doug Peterson to me. I don't know whether I'm right or wrong, but they were such little contributors offensively to this football team's success. Uh, do you want to hear what he had to say about yeah. Trev? Yeah, let me hear it. Yeah, I, I think Trevor had you know another learning year, right? Like like we all do when we're a third year guy in this in this league. I think he did. See, there's some areas he made great strides in. We got to do a better job of, of keeping him safe and protected, and he's got to do a better job of protecting himself. You know, unfortunately, he had four key injuries this year. You know, when your quarterback has a sh- throwing shoulder injury, a knee injury, an ankle injury, and a concussion all in one year, that's alarming. So, you know, we got to work to improve that. And, and that's not one factor. There's a lot of things that contribute to that. Uh, but we, we, we do have to do a better job there. But as far as Trevor and his, the long-term uh, relationship with this team, there's no doubt in that. We're, we're going to get something done at the appropriate time. The appropriate time, which gets us also on the Josh Allen discussion. Right. You know, with the no contact to this point made, and Hayes drilled it uh, earlier, was it 17 days and there hasn't been any contact. And so I know that they have to look ahead when it comes to the Trevor deal because those are going to be big-time dollars. But So I've referenced accountability multiple times on this program. Like I said, I made a commitment in July. I held that commitment today. That's why I wasn't at the presser. Trent Bulky, once upon a time, sat at a different podium because the Miller Electric Center hadn't been built yet and said that my goal is we need to get the players we draft to second contracts. That was a big reason why he was so hell-bent on Cam Robinson getting a second deal here. He felt like he was a, a, a pillar, a building block that you could build around. You needed to get him to a second contract. Who else has gotten a second contract well, since you... Trent Bulky became the full-time GM? Yeah, it, Devon. And part of part, Devon, Devon yeah. Hamilton, so that's yeah. another one. Because part of it is obviously the draft picks before he got here – have all since left, defected, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. That's why if I'm him, I'm doing everything in my power. And, you know, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. Now that the offseason has begun, he has said before he doesn't negotiate in season. Josh's camp knew that as well. Okay, well, guess what? The season's over now. Yeah. So now you need to be going hell-bent on those conversations because that's accountability to what you said when you took this job. Well, that you are going to get players to second deals. And like I said, my prediction personally, I think they will tag Josh Allen. I'm optimistic they could get something done before camp opens akin to Evan Ingram. But you can't guarantee that, i.e. Yannick Ngakwe, yeah. who was also placed under the franchise tag once upon a time and yeah. then traded. And we can go back to the two main names that were discussed this time a year ago. It was Juwan Taylor and it was Evan Ingram. Those were the two guys. And the thought was, well, you're going to tag one or you're going to uh, long-term sign the other. And we all know Juwan Taylor goes out, his free agency, and within within minutes he's getting an $80 million deal. Which, uh, honestly, what? many would argue they upgraded. Yeah, yeah. So that's fine. Yeah, no problem. You knew it was coming. You couldn't combat it financially. I get it. You already had your big ticket on the left side, and it was actually smart not to sign Juwan Taylor for that amount of money. I think you would agree with this, Leon. I know right tackles love money too, but uh, it, it was smart not to do that. But oh. then, yeah, it was financially fiscal not to pay Jawan Taylor, who, who I feel is a average right tackle at best. Now he had his best season last year, mm-hmm. comparable, comparable to the years prior to that. So I knew that once he hit the market, because he's young in his size, 
he was going to he was going to get that kind of con. I didn't think eighty million. I didn't think the Chiefs were going to get. It. And then they, initially, the Chiefs said they're going to move in the left tackle, and I said, "Y'all have got the lost, y'all lost your mind." Yeah, but they moving in the right. But uh, but he, that was fiscally smart. Bringing Cam, signing Cam to a new deal. Cam had a decent had a decent season. Get that contract, whatever. Now the situation of re-signing him, I'm not so sure. Especially if you got leverage with Anton Harrison, who played left tackle at Oklahoma. If you feel that he he's the guy, then yeah. you save yourself some money by moving him over there and then walking a little to the left. So I mean, but you got to fix the interior of the offensive line. I mean, if you got to go find you a center, mm-hmm. you got to go. You got to find your center free agency. It's I, I do I do believe that the big names that will be discussed this year. You're going to hear a lot about Cam as to whether or not you're going to keep him, the mm-hmm. cost of keeping him. Mm-hmm. Because, look, when we, tar- we started talking about this cap, a lot of people said, just take that money right off the books. You're going to be able to put that in someone else's pocket. Cam's mm-hmm. played better as an offensive line than, than anybody else has. Yeah, well, I, I was a little concerned about Trent when he, when his, when he referenced Trevor, that mm-hmm. he's learning. I mean, you want to give someone – someone's going to ask for $300 million that's learning the, the position. He should be ascending yeah. you better to greatness it, to get, he, if he's going to ask for that kind of money. That's yeah. what I'm saying. In the learning, what is that? I mean, he sounds like he's walking across the street and he needs handheld. He, that's was on, he was on the, he was in the MVP discussion yeah, based on part. how he played last year. This yeah. was not a yeah. learning year. No, he, he was supposed to be ascending. And for whatever reason, well, I mean, listen, you got to factor in the fact that, you know, any any good quarterback has a good running game, has a good offensive line, has good backs to run, and then he could play off there. If you're going to put it on the shoulders of one of your quarterback, and then he, then he gets hurt. Then he tries to do too much. I told you, Trevor was known for shooting jumpers instead of layups. Mm-hmm. Always trying to go for the big play when he's got the check down or he's got the out route or he's got the cross or all that kind of stuff. I mean. All right, so, Matt. This is the old chicken or the egg question, but if decisions were made along that offensive line in a better use of second and third round picks, would Trevor have had a better year? Or I do believe Trev still has some responsibility in this, and so do the coaches. As of course far as he does. And of course they do. But, I, but add those other two into every, the equation. Everybody failed. Yeah. Everyone, GM, yeah. coach, players, everybody failed. Um. I think they probably hoped that Cooper Hodges would be a guy that could play there. Mm-hmm. And Seventh just, rounder. It just never happened. Yeah, may may happen next year, but you also have to like they're putting all their eggs in a guy that's coming back from a huge injury and a seventh round pick. I I don't see how you do that. I don't see how you go into the season thinking, all right, we're solid in the middle. Here's another thing too. They had to have known something was up with Fortner when he didn't come back as a more physical guy, right? They had to have seen that early on in minicamp. Yeah. They had to have seen that in camp. That is true. So at what point do you say, all right, we might want to look at maybe a center? So I, I, I think if you're going to really criticize them for anything, it was too much. We that were ain't. good. We were good last year. Let's keep moving forward. We're going to be better. So classic fingers crossed uh, game plan. I mean, did they really see it? Could they have seen it in training camp? Bro, how do you what not? What the tempo in, in training that they camp, play? How do you not see The tempo in training camp that they have? I mean, there's, there's nothing physical about it. How, right. All right, uh, how do you not see it in, in, practice, in preseason games? One or two series in preseason? Yep. That is fair. Thank you, Leon. Well, you, you have to be I'm, able to see that. I'm, I'm, I, no, I, 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 I know what you're trying to say is that, it, that in maybe during – he got the, annihilated the this year. I know, but we we didn't see the annihilation until he lined up week one. But it's okay. Funny. So if you saw it week one, and you know when the trade dead, trade deadline is, yeah, how do you not go get a center? They went out and got you Ezra. Know the, you know what the Jaguars say? Yeah. The Jaguars say, 
we're fine. We're good. We're developing. <laughs> they won. We don't. Yeah, we. They we, won oh, eight oh, games oh, oh, of oh, the first eleven. That covered up a lot of things. Yes, let's it not did. forget. That, that's let's not forget they'll peak late, which I'm always about peaking late. Yeah. They'll peak late. Don't Wins forget that. Cover up a lot of things. It's uh, also probably yeah, a lot sure. easier said than done. Just going and getting a center. Also yeah. that. Who, yeah. A good well, center. JJ, can you pull up? It was one of the last questions that Trent was asked about. The strength and conditioning, and I think that was kind of like, you know, a subtle way of referencing Luke Fortner and a couple other players and the physicality. Because, Leon, this whole notion of we need to have more competition in the weight room. Like, are we in high school? JJ, please play the clip. No, I think we do a good job. I think think we do an excellent job in in the the training staff, the, the, the human performance department as a whole. I think we just we've got to do some things a little bit differently, right? We got to we got to push some narratives a little stronger. We got to make it, uh, you know, it's tough to get these guys competing against each other in that weight room. It isn't always, but that's where we're going. You know, it's got to be a year-long competition. It's got to be a focus of ours to get stronger, to get more physical, uh, to play the game at a level that you need to play it to win in January and February. You got to get them to compete in the weight room. I de- I need to know if Herb's going to come back and declare winners and losers uh, on each <laughs> on each lift. Are we going to have a list of like who bench pressed the most? Your your professional athletes who are paid handsomely mm-hmm. to go in there and participate in the weight room with some intensity, mm-hmm. with create, some vigor. You could create I mean, your own competition. You could create your own competition. I didn't need no. I didn't need to compete. Because most of the time you couldn't compete with me. But I'm saying, I'm just saying, I had the motor. I mean, you're trying to say these guys go in the weight room and what they what are they doing? What are they doing in the weight room? Where's well, the motor? I don't, I don't know how many times i got to tell you this. You're oh. different. Man, please. Now, real quick. Man. Real quick. But, but here's the thing is, is the entire middle three right. was weak. Yeah, and just to pair up it's what both of you guys. It's not just one guy. Yeah, just to pair up what both of you guys have said, I believe what Matt's saying, what Matt is saying is true, that you should know this guy has not gained strength. You know it through the locker or through the uh, weight room, and you know that he's not turned the corner. But I also understand that there are so few reps now that you don't really get to see that. Yeah, that, but, that, because, because listen, when I, when I was playing in my era, there was a flow chart. There was a flow chart of what you came in there, you maxed out, Squat, bench, all that other kind of stuff, and in your flow chart during the season, you're not you're not trying to max out, but you're, there was a certain amount of reps that you had to do that was comparable to your max. Mm-hmm. And if you couldn't do them, the coaching staff would see it; they would see mm-hmm. the, the depletion of you throughout the season because of, of what your max was. I mean, there, there's way to flow chart to see if guys have. I believe. Are you know what charts up there the, now? That's maintaining their strength. Or not. Feelings charts up there now. Well, they, they probably playing Barry Manilow in the locker room. I mean, in the weight room, which is probably the problem. It's probably one of those anything. like you miss a hundred percent of the shots me. you don't come take. Me. We'll um, talk about can we that. come probably back? Probably playing Mandy or come whatever they we'll else. Talk about it. Can we come back with some Barry Manilow, JJ? I feel like that's needed Please. right now. The music needs to change in the weight room. Probably. Yeah, we we need some Barry Manilow on this lovely Thursday. And, and those. No slide on Barry. <laughs> we love Barry. We're going to play him coming up next. Can't smile without you. I can't smile without This is Trent Bulky. As long as Shad Khan has no problem keeping anybody employed for doing whatever job, I'm going to have a job. Okay? So step up. Go Jags. Not only can I do the GM stuff better than you guys, I can also go write that article, Hayes. Hayes Gorline, Matt Hayes, you guys, you have no idea what you're doing. Hayes the, the hammer, Hayes the hemorrhoid Gorline, yeah. 
Grilling Up Lunch with Leon and the Sausage Dudes. Sausage with a purpose on 1010XL. Just sing along with us, people. Just sing along. It's a good good place to be right now. I do love that Balky has figured out the difference between Hayes, Carolina, and Matt Hayes. It took him a little while. It only took him like four years. Hemorrhoid Hayes. Yeah. Which, by the way, the real Trent Balky. Yeah. I couldn't help but notice he, he hates Hayes Carline. Like, he, when Hayes asked the question about the offense, he's, like, laughing head at him as he's asking it, and he's just like, I'm not a coach, man. Do you want to know I'm why? I'm not going to answer that. You want to know why? It's just like, dude, you're, you're such a jerk. JJ, over under. Trent was listening yesterday when Hayes rattled <laughs> off <laughs> every single question yeah. that he was going to ask in the presser. Because he did on our air on XL Primetime. So. And there are, I did, there's one other guy I could think of that he likes to name that he might like. That starts off the press conference most often. He starts uh, every press. <laughs> Listen, that yeah. is that is. Yeah. He might like him. Part of that is reverence ish. Yeah. Part yeah. of that is also yeah. who also loves to listen to this program. By Respect. the way, um, part of it is also let's get these questions. We know they're coming. Let, mm-hmm. let, let's get these questions so, out of the way. All right. So we love it. Listen, <laughs> thank you for calling 207-7071. You can do the pop-off line, especially if you are like in and out of work and you're catching a little bit of what Balky had to say. Uh, definitely let us know. Of course, we'll go back to the text line uh, and get back into some of those and on YouTube. But but honestly, the, the overriding opinion out there is that Trent Balky was passing the buck. And uh, he ain't the first GM to do that. He won't be the last. But at the same time, uh, there needs to be, I would think, some synergy in the building and some enthusiasm to get it right as opposed to assigning blame. And, and I feel like that's what we came away from, uh, what, a half hour's worth of, of talking from Trent Baalke, uh, that that's basically what we got is uh, assigning blame and really not – like you what, – what is it, the um, that, old, that old saying, someone can remind us of it, you know, there's, it's always easy to point out what's wrong, but give me a solution. And he should be the solution guy. He and Doug Peterson should be the solution guys. How about every time you point a finger, there's four pointing back at you? Yeah, exactly. That's a good one. I like that. <laughs> I like that. Because that's really what it is. Is that? And I'm telling you, he wants a whistle around his neck. He thinks he can coach better than well, the coach. Well, remember that report? Like, was it two years ago that he was going to be more on the field well, like th- in preseason or in training camp? That yeah. plus yeah. couple that with the Jimmy Ward testimony yeah. from when they were in San Francisco yeah and Trent came up to him and like had specifics of like how he should be attacking yeah I do there, there was his little, coverage yeah there was entertaining stuff uh, Matt you went back and you were listening to the uh, head coach's presser was this right. Har- the Harbaugh exit that you were listening to anyway yeah, it was Harbaugh exit. yeah we need to go back and find some of those uh, from Trent back in the day the the essence of what's going on here is that you had two identical seasons record-wise Leon and you have 180 degrees opposite feelings towards the way the seasons ended. You, you say, wait a minute. Word, Joe. These, are, yeah, mm-hmm. these, these are both winning seasons, mm-hmm. but one does not look like the other. And that's when you do, like in, last year, you weren't searching for answers. This year you are. I mean, listen, that la- that team last year, I always said, was I was better. They, they were more entrenched in the season, especially down the stretch, than this team was. This team played like, the season was over, or they were trying. I mean, their their last five games uh, this season compared to a year ago. I mean, the intensity, playoff uh, atmosphere, mm-hmm. each game, whatever. We get in the playoffs, we beat the Titans, all that kind of stuff. This year, it looked like this team, and I I hope this is not the matter. And we we talked about this earlier. Mm-hmm. This team looked like it was ready to go home on many occasions, which is unfortunate. 
And I mean, and the, and if, if, if we if the dynamics of the team were anything like that, that's concerning mm-hmm. because those same guys might be on your team. If those guys are on your team, you need to get rid of them. They need to, they they need to find an exit. I still wonder, and I don't know the answer, and I feel like quite often you say it's got to happen in the locker room. But how do you like? How do you? Like, do you have to set rat traps or something uh, to to get that bad out of there, that poison out of there, and get these guys motivating one another? You just you, you got to hold everybody in the locker room accountable. Everybody, everybody's got to be accountable. You've got to put, you've got to chin check a lot of guys mm-hmm. who who are not who who don't seem to be all in. Listen, whatever you're doing outside the field, hey, that's your your business. But once you step in this locker room, it's got to be about the business of ball. And if there's anything other than that, but now, don't get me wrong now, there's a seriousness and a business effect to it. Mm-hmm. You also got to have fun. But the cure for winning is fun. And, but but the, the process of getting to win is fun. So, I mean, the hard work, all that stuff that you put in, you win games is fun. But if the dynamics are different and you're losing games, then it's not so fun. <laughs> Being in the locker room, and again, we're only there for X amount of minutes during the week, I think, at least from my personal vantage point, at different points, especially down the stretch, whether it was Dewey publicly chewing out Tank Bigsby on the Mm -hmm. sidelines Mm -hmm. when he made an error on special teams, or you know, the confrontation between the defensive coaches and players at the end of the Titans game, I'm referencing things that that were done in public, but there were things I saw in the locker room, too. You had players on the defensive side of the ball who in December, we're trying to be vocal, trying to hold guys accountable. Mm-hmm. My concern was that, was it too late? But it's also, like, Leon, you tell me, because, like, it's one thing to get on, to hold guys accountable and to get on somebody when things mm-hmm. are going wrong. When things are going right and guys are being accountable, do you still have to come at them with that same tenor? Well, well I mean, it depends. I didn't because I did see it because at, they were winning, you know? Because here's the thing, if – if it's out of desperation, then it's not real. But I would—I was always the type of person that if if you're going to speak about it, be about it. Show me. Go on the field and show speak me. To these young interns right huh. now, okay? Yeah. Just talk to them right now. Look at we do have eye. our interns yeah, with us do. in the studio no, right now. No, if you're going to speak about it, be about it. You know how you be about it? You go out there and show me. Go out there and execute it. That's that's what it's all about. Now, a lot of players say stuff like that because they just ain't got the goods and they say stuff out of desperation, you know, just to just to be vocal. But the real players, the real dogs, the alphas, not the lap dogs, the alpha dogs go out there on Sunday and they get it done. They, you want me to show you how you get it done? This is how you get it done. This is how you stop the run. This is how you get after the passer. All right? This is how you get turnovers. We didn't have enough of them on the team. We didn't have enough. We had a lot of desperate guys who they saw they saw the flood coming and they couldn't get in the boat fast mm-hmm. enough. Well, and the guys that probably could be those players, either you know, all of a sudden the water's up to here – or, again, it was a hope defense, and it was we're waiting but, for the magic to appear. Well, this is what my problem is that the year before, you know, you were a desperate you, – you showed me a you year before. You were a good desperate team. Yes, you, a year before you showed me. I mean, uh, Roy Robinson-Harris, those guys in the middle, they got it done. That, it, that week, everyone, everyone that week, that, every game that week was a playoff, and we played up to it until we got to the Titan game and won. Where was where was that this season when they going got where was that this season when you started to slide a little bit where was the desperation you know you were too com- you know my problem with the fact the problem with the team this year is that when times got tough they got more comfortable years last we're year we're fine it's going to be fine. okay we're fine it's going to be but last year 
that team was a desperate team, and they found a way. Where was that same mentality and attitude a year this year that it was a year ago? Yeah, it, it's funny. Left, to, left for Nashville with Arden yeah. Key. That's where it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He, he, he yeah. stole it from us. He did. He locked yes. us out. He did. He <laughs> hey, you all laugh out. about it, man, yeah. but he he at least had some fire last oh, year. Yeah. He was well, one I, of those guys had a little fire in his belly. And, and, and uh, unfortunately, the, the way it ended was he was on the winning side. Of, I think he played a great game, yeah, too. Yeah. And got that extra sack he and all that stuff. had two tackles, I guess. What yeah. did, did he? Want, like, oh, I thought, million, he, I thought he, he, he did nothing, Jason. <laughs> really? He was terrible. No, no. He just was on the winning side. That's it. All right. So, Big Sirs, good talk right there. Yeah. In the words of You got me all sweaty and intense. I got to go work out now. Yeah. Now you got to get something done. I'm going to show you how you work out. Hey, beautiful day outside, too. Very jealous of you that you get to head out and You're not allowed to take the interns to the gym. I believe there's some sort of like. Some rule there. Yeah. They couldn't hang with my Injury risk and stuff like that. All right. Enjoy the rest of your afternoon. Um, We're going to keep going on Balky, but also a little hoop talk with our man Mark Wise uh, in the 2 o'clock hour. He'll join us at 2.30. It's XL Primetime. Yeah, I think we have a real good pulse. We've had some real good discussions. And going back to Gene's first question on the collaboration and and the the unity we have in this building, you know, and I can't speak for Doug, uh, but I'm sure he'll speak when when he has a chance to speak. The collaboration, the unity that we have together, uh, the respect we have for one another has never been better. So, again, I go back to that narrative that Gene mentioned. That's a false narrative. Nothing to it. This is XL Primetime, brought to you by Florida Home AC. Now that's cool on 1010XL. That was Trent Balky, general manager of your Jacksonville Jaguars, uh, earlier today. Thanks to Jaguars.com for letting us air it on our airwaves, and there's been plenty of reaction uh, tucked in that response uh, from Trent Balky. Uh, collaboration's never been better. Uh, and then also, Doug could probably speak on this whenever he might have time uh, to speak on this, uh, which <laughs> he just inserted that just so skillfully uh, and then said, you know, the, if you say it's never been better and you have this, it suggests that it was terrible to begin with. It really does. The classic line from the old comedian George Carlin, new and improved means it wasn't worth a crap to begin with. And that is the essence of what is being said. Well, right I there. love even, let, JJ, let's go to the first question right off the top from the columnist. Uh, he was asked, first question out of the gate, if he and Doug Peterson are still on the same mindset as last Probably year. Probably even more so, you know. Uh, you know, when you go through tough times, you find out a lot about a lot of people. You know, and the season didn't end the way we wanted it to. Uh, we, we had some strong conversations throughout the year, kind of where things were at and what we were, you know, where things were trending. Uh, so great communication, great collaboration, and really respect uh, him and, and everything that he does. Uh, so I, I don't think there's any – a lot of what's written, a lot of the narratives that are out there are just false. Plain and simple, false narratives. So I don't think the columnist brought up outside narratives in the question, did he? I don't think so. I don't. I don't think, I don't so. think he did. Which is where I think let, he did. Oh, he did. Okay. Yeah. Okay. He, he if he might not have used those words exactly, but he was insinuating. Like, okay. About y'all's relationship or these reports? Were saying, yeah. Okay. Because that's where I go to week three of this year. The press mm-hmm. clippings, the outside noise. Mm-hmm. If your GM is listening to 1010XL, which, hey, we're okay with that, Trent. You can listen mm-hmm. to us. We appreciate your, your we have listenership. Multiple Trent's listening Absolutely. To us and right we now. love follows on Instagram, YouTube, all that good stuff. Um, but if your GM is, 
then in terms of that big buzzword of accountability, if he's listening to the outside noise, where does the buck stop? Everybody's going to be listening, are they not? I I love the fact that he starts out by saying that they have great communication and collaboration and he's done a tremendous job, and then he spends the next 30 minutes saying how bad a job he did. Uh, and that's the part that I can't get away from. There's he no separate. He as in Doug Peterson. Yes, if he he's not saying, as in himself. Yes, right. if he's saying the problem is player development, then he's pointing at the coaching staff is what he's doing. Yeah. yeah. And the players to a lesser extent. Yes. Which, again, I'm fine with someone calling someone out, but don't, like, push stuff off that's clearly your your decision. Clearly, he's the guy who who gives what do you, what do you what do you want to call it? the ingredients all the time? Right. He talks con- about it. Okay, yeah. he constructs the roster. He and they decided, okay, we're good. We're standing pat. We're good. I go back to the Chiefs and the Bucks. When the Bucks destroyed the Chiefs' offensive line in that Super Bowl, mm-hmm. the very next year, the only saint, the only player that was on that offensive line for the next year was was Andrew Wiley, who moved from right guard to right tackle. Mm-hmm. Everybody else in that line was new. They won the Super Bowl. Yeah, they restored order. Get it back to where it was. Part of that, what required that was the disappointing loss in the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, again, wins cover up a lot. When you're winning like this team was, and I understand you lost to the Chiefs in the divisional round, but they went on to win the Super Bowl, so you kind of just you know took your loss and patted yourself on the back and said, you know what, we made it further than anyone could have imagined, and you said, therefore, we are on the right path. It's losses, it's collapses like this, that's what forces, unfortunately, many to look in the mirror. Unfortunately, the nature of society is that when things are good, you don't self-evaluate because you think things are good. Yeah, you do. You you relax. You take things for granted. And, and the work that you you are putting in, you think you've thresholded it. You've taken it to the ceiling. Uh, and you can't give any more because look at what we did. And this is – I did not expect this football team to act like this which is much like what 2017 and 2018 turned into. Right, right. Re- I did not right. expect this group to do the same thing, essentially. It just happened a little later in the season, yeah, that's all. exactly. Yeah. Crown them, crown them, yeah. crown them. We're going to yep. be crowned. All we got to do that's, is show up, that type I, of stuff. I, if, you, if, if they're out right, right now looking at this roster, I don't know how you don't go, okay, our number one guy, the number one guy we, we have to build this franchise around is the quarterback. Mm-hmm. So you have to find an offensive line. If they don't look at that offensive line and think, we might have to jettison four of them. Yeah, it's, we might just keep Anton Harrison, move him to left tackle, and find four other guys. Yeah, it's it's something else. All right, real quick. Speaking of something else, let's do this. That just happened. Brought to you by Florida Home AC, the official air conditioning partner of the Jacksonville Jaguars. I like to talk about betting lines from time to time, but I don't think I was knee deep uh, in my uh, book like Kayshawn Booty. Uh, I can't believe the story. Former LSU standout. This is according to WAFB reporting this. An arrest warrant has been issued uh, for Boutte. I like to say Boutte uh, on charges related to online gaming, specifically being charged with felony computer fraud, as well as a misdemeanor count of gaming prohibited uh, for persons under 21. This dates back to his time being in, in Baton Rouge as a LSU Bengal. So it says that he, the, the source indicates wagers and payouts involving Booty's account that was done under the age of 21 years of age, created, created fraudulently, listing the user's age as 21 years or older, involving, Matt, several hundred 
thousand dollars. Huge, nasty so cash. So he did this when he was not twenty-one, is what you're saying? Yeah, and according to the report, again, WAFB, <gasps> uh, that Butte bet close to nine thousand times in total. Nine thousand. <laughs> That's what it says. Might have a problem. Yeah. Uh, 9,000 times a total. 17 of those bets were on NCAA football games. I love when they go 9,000 and they go 17 were on NCAA football games while at least six were on LSU football games. Which he now is a member of the New England Patriots. Yes, yes, yes. Which anyway, if he following. was playing on the Patriots, that's when he would be getting in trouble. Mm-hmm. So yeah. In college, though, I mean, look at everything that went down, which that's a whole other can of worms. I don't know if you've been following that at all yeah. with the Iowa-Iowa State, with all that gambling. Well, all that, that went well on before, no, so yeah. now there's a new development there this week that basically an agent went rogue and decided he was going to start monitoring the athletic facilities at those two universities for whatever mm-hmm. the reason. Um, uh, and he basically went to his bosses and was like, can I do this? And they said no, and then he did it anyway, and then mm-hmm. he uncovered stuff, and they were like, oh, okay, we'll run with this. Um so that's what I'm curious is like at that juncture. Yeah. It, what was the monitoring? But also Louisiana they, is sports betting legal? Well, we're going back now. Again, I don't gonna, think it is. So that's where I'm wondering did he have a bookie or And we're going back to when he was under the age of 21. At least that's the report. Right. WAFB. Anyway, we'll keep an eye on that one, but that uh again, gambling players it is uh, no bueno uh from every different angle. Uh, and now he's one of the guys. In Sports the betting is legal, by the way. If, if you'll remember, I was trying to remember. I went on a lot of road trips this year. I forgot. It know, took him a where long. Where I got in on the action. It took him a long time to hook up with Jaden Daniels. Remember that, Matt? They could not connect offensively last year for a good seven or eight games before he at finally least, was an impact. At least, and there's a lot of people, you know, think that's the reason why it took so long for Jaden Daniels to develop in year one because. Yeah. There was no chemistry, not only with him, but the rest of the receivers, well, too. Malik Neighbors was still like a guy figuring it out. But I kind of feel like that's when Malik Neighbors actually kind of stepped up because yeah, we had no Bude choice. was just not either not making the catch and not running the routes, Calvin Ridley in it. I don't know. Just a guess. But that's what was going on down there in LSU. He was that's- sitting on the sideline worried about his bets on uh- – <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. I mean, if only 16 of them were on college football and he made 9,000 bets. Oh right. Like, what were they God. on? Like, <laughs> yeah. the Korean baseball league? To me, that's league? not that bad. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's going to be coming out soon. All right, we'll keep an eye on that. It is XL Primetime. Let's ring up another guest on the All-Pro Roofing phone line. Fresh off of calling Florida's 79-70 to win over Mississippi State last night on the SEC Network. Mark Wise joining us live from the airport on the All-Pro Roofing Hotline. Mark, how you doing, buddy boy? I'm doing super. If you don't mind all the airport sounds in the background. Hey, as JJ told you when we got you on the line, it sounds even more official. You're here, you're there, you're everywhere, including at the O-Dome last night. Another, con- con- I wouldn't say convincing, but resounding victory for Todd Golden and his squad, a second straight over another SEC foe. Yeah, you know, in this conference, uh, I've said it's as good as it's ever been. It's been as deep as it's ever been. It's as old as it's ever been. The coaching's never been as good as it's ever been. So when you throw all those things together, the most important part of conference play, I think, is surviving at home, winning your home games. And you know, Florida did played really well, uh, building the 17-point lead in the second half and then kind of held on. They withstood some pressure from Mississippi State and the outstanding shooting of Josh Hubbard, the really sharp-shooting small guard that Mississippi State has, a little offensive punch. So the thing that impresses me about Florida is 
you know, they could, they've got four or five different guys that might get you 20 on a given night. And that's a luxury as a head coach that you don't have to rely uh, specifically on one or two guys. And my goodness was real Will Richard special last night. Hey, Mark, uh, you, you look at the schedule right now. You know, you get Georgia at home Saturday and you're at Kentucky right. at A&M. Then you got Auburn at home. Those are four games right now that could really dictate this season. Would you agree with that? Uh, I'm going to come back to you better win your home games first and see if you can steal one uh, on the road somewhere. Um, you know, at Kentucky's going to be a hard ask. At Texas A&M's going to be a hard ask. So of these next three, I, the, the must win for me is Georgia and, and see where it lies after those three games. But, you know, you're doing uh, – let me uh, say this. You're doing exactly what coaches do, and they will never admit it. <laughs> they all go – they all throw that – they all gurgle that, you know, one game at a time. And, and it is. Right. Every game has a life of its own. But I promise you, every coach looks at their schedule and goes, you know, if we can get two here, if we can get one here, it, it's pretty funny, really. We're talking with Mark Wise, he called, or was the analyst last night on the call as Florida was able to emerge with another win inside the SEC. And, Mark, the one thing, I I love seeing all the different guys step up and the pressure that those offensive scorers can put on defenses. Uh, Will Richard, how good was he last night? Yeah, he was special. Uh, You know, he's had what I would call for him an uneven year. He's had some games that he's played really well, and he's had some games you know, where he fired blanks. I think he was 0 for 7 against the arc, uh, from the arc against Kentucky. Uh, he didn't do that a year ago. He's a much more consistent shooter, but he's on a better team this year than he was last year, a more balanced team. But I got to tell you, as good as he was, uh, the guy that makes them go, in my opinion, the piece of the puzzle that makes all the other pieces of the puzzle fit for them is Zion Pullen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think he is really good, strong. Teddy doesn't turn the ball over, makes enough shots, can create his own, you know, six foot four and, and, and utilizes his strength at times. So uh, he's the one that you're going to see on the floor. And I think you saw that because it, with, uh, I think it was 11 minutes to go in the first half, he picked up his second foul. And I don't even think it was a question of whether or not he stayed on the floor. So he played the rest of the half uh, without fouling. And what's interesting, Mark, is Florida has won three of their last four. They've had four different leading scorers. None of them are Zion, right. are named Zion Pullen. So he's doing everything yeah. else. Yeah, he does. He's, I think he's number one in the league in assist to turnover ratio. I mean, he just doesn't turn the ball over. I think last night it was three and zero, maybe three assists, zero turnovers. And he would probably have a higher assist rate if some of the shooting would uh, be a little bit more consistent. So, yeah, I think – I think uh, – you know what you're going to get from Zion Pullen every game out, and that is uh, quite a treat for a head coach. So, Mark, when you look at Florida State, um, clearly struggled a yeah. little bit in December. Now starting to feel it a little bit, getting hot. What do you like about them? Well, I think they've tr- finally uh, kind of overcome their – they don't have a true point guard on the roster, and, and so it's been point guard by committee. And early on, they, they paid the price for that, I think, in some games. Uh, the other part of that equation is I think they've um, uh, let their de- defense, like Florida State in years past, they, they've let their defense help their offense, where in, earlier in the year I just thought they were kind of lost defensively. And uh, it's, it's certainly not the same team that I had the Florida-Florida State game. It certainly is not the same team there. 
But I also had their game against Georgia where they lost at home where they were up 17 with, I don't know, six minutes to go. Um, and, and so from that standpoint, you, you, you always want to be playing your best basketball late in the season. I see FSU trending up. Couple more for Mark Wise. He was on the call last night uh, as the analyst for the Gators' win over Mississippi State. And, and inside the SEC, Mark, you had Alabama with what? What, what was a big, big night last night? Uh, right, playing right. Auburn straight up and coming out, uh, and then Georgia holding on against LSU. Anyway, what has impressed you right now out of the league, out of the conference? Well, I'll answer that in two ways. One is uh, the teams that were picked at the bottom in the preseason poll. So think about South Carolina mm-hmm. uh, yeah. and what they're doing. Uh, that's who I have. That's who where I'm headed to um, today. That's, nice. I have the early game Saturday. Um, Georgia, Ole Miss, LSU are all all significantly better. Now that doesn't hasn't uh, lessened at the top because I think in tier one. Um, um, I've got Alabama, Auburn, Kentucky, Tennessee in some order. Mm-hmm. However, if I were to ask all three of you this question, who leads the SEC in quad one wins, what would your answer be? I already know the answer, so I will refrain. Well, go. Show off for us. It's South Carolina. Yeah. They, they have three. Kentucky only has one. They also have a loss to UNC Wilmington. I listen to too many college basketball podcasts. Okay, that's a very good guess, but it's wrong. Really? So wow. The answer, the, the answer is, Alabama? is Texas A&M. Texas wow. A&M has buzz. four. Palpable buzz. Yeah. They've had three in the non-conference, and they picked up the win against Kentucky. So they have four, and they're three and three in the league, and we're one and three at one point in time. So I think, doesn't that speak volumes about how good the league is? Yeah, it really does. And they've been overshadowed just because of how deep the Big 12 is this year, Mark. I mean, they have five of right. the top 25 teams in the AP poll this week. And so that coupled with the Mountain West's rise for those who are a little bit more in the weeds, I think has overshadowed I'm, how good the SEC's been. I am loving what the Mountain West is doing this year. I, I, I think they're going to get four teams in. I, I think they are really good. I think Utah State is vastly underrated. I think Nevada is vastly underrated. And of course, you're always going to talk about San Diego State. So uh, that that league is really good this year. The problem with that league is they have some bottom feeders, and that will hurt them at some point in time. Uh, real quick before we let you go, and you board your plane, and please be careful with these planes these days, Mark. Uh, but uh, well, this is the first week I'm not missing my first flight out of Florida. Oh, that so. is good news. <laughs> this you, is you, different. You will take that uh, in a heartbeat. But just real quick, uh, taking flight, the Florida basketball team. I do think Todd Golden has constructed a, an entirely different team than what he had a year ago. Right. Where, where do you see them? Say, you know, when we pick up the phone in a couple weeks and call you. Uh. Wow, uh, what a question! Uh, that's a two-part question because you asked me about roster management, mm-hmm. and that's uh, that's the way. Uh, I don't see any change in the foreseeable future. You're gonna. We we used to talk about player development being your freshman to junior year, your sophomore to senior year. No, now it's August to April, and that's it. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, from the portal standpoint, they've that, they've improved greatly. It's a much better team than it was last year. Yeah. In terms of where I see them in two weeks, I think the Texas A&M game will be a crossroads game. I think it's winnable. Uh, I think Texas A&M, if you can somehow bottle up uh, Boots Randolph, not not uh, Wade Taylor the fourth, he's going to get thirty. If he wants to get thirty, he'll get thirty. Uh, they're not a great offensive team, 
Uh, they do crash the glass, but guess what? That's one area that Florida is pretty good in as well. Yeah. So that'll be interesting because that's the two best rebounding teams in the league. And so I think that's a real – ask me again after that game. Yeah, it sounds good because they've gotten profoundly better uh, inside. And as we said to start off, the, the guard play has definitely been impressive with Walt and Poland and all of them. Uh, thanks, man. Yep. Uh, enjoy the call up there uh, in that uh, arena. Pretty good atmosphere. How about that? Yeah, I've got that. I've got South Carolina in their hangover game. Yeah, because yeah. uh, now or the validation game, however yeah. you want to put it. But uh, <laughs> I thought I was so impressed with the way they guarded Kentucky the other night yeah uh they didn't allow dillingham wagner to get to the realm off the bounce and once you do did that then kentucky really doesn't have anybody they're going to throw it into like a tolu smith last night a block to block guy that's going to score that way um they they are so dependent on being able to beat you off the bounce and when they couldn't do that they got stagnated offensively well they're giving up more than one point mm-hmm. per possession too i mean the defense ooh, is a big ooh, big good. question mark for kentucky not um, good. and i'm just upset because the big z storyline mark was so great coming into the weekend and <laughs> you know shelf life came back down to earth <laughs> real quick well again it's playing on the road i mean again i, I come back to this i i just don't think people have a great appreciation you've heard me say this before the difference between being sixth in the country and 36 is one possession and 36 to 66 is one possession so i think we throw upsets around way too much and i think i know this and i'm guilty of this we often talk about what went wrong for team a more more than we should be talking about what team b did correctly yeah it's true it's true listen safe travels great catching up and we'll definitely talk to you soon all right, thanks, everybody. All right, Mark Wise uh, on that uh, game last night, and, and what he's saying is true, the, the hard hats in, in, in Tuscaloosa with Auburn coming in there. It's not like Auburn had a bad game. It's just the game that Alabama did have. Uh, that's for sure. All right, uh, we wanted to sneak that in in the middle of all the balky talk. we got to get a little playoff talk, uh, including a Pacifico Perfecto question coming up. This is XL Primetime, protected by preferred roofing on 1010XL. You can just hear this music when you crack the top of a Pacifico. So why don't we do a little Perfecto. Perfecto! And see if you can perfect this question. Pacifico, remember, found in Baja, imported by servers for those who live life anchors up. Good stuff. Now... We're talking about Brock Purdy. We definitely were talking about him this time yesterday. So he is in a position to be one of the guys that makes history, not just as the last player drafted, Mr. Irrelevant, but he can go into the history books, into the league annals, as a quarterback to start conference championship games in each of his first two NFL seasons. By the way, never forget when Mia said Oh, you took the words out of my mouth, JJ. I was going to say it, too. The anals, but I was just trying to work it incorrectly. I I wasn't listening to the actual question. Sorry. Yeah, and so, and this is a, this is a, as far as that name goes, you can get this, okay? It's unfortunate you didn't turn the camera on for the live stream portion of that, JJ. Yeah, you can get this. All right. Two years as a starter, you're saying. Yeah. All right. So, he is now in, in position to win this game, but just simply starting conference championship games 
in each of his first two NFL seasons. Two others have done it. In the league, right. Mark Sanchez. In the league annals. Sanchez, really? Mark Sanchez, the New York Jets. We can ding her because this has been brought up before. I may have messed up on my quad one, folks, but I got that one. Yep. But I've yeah I've had I've had him in our in our, our hopper before, uh, and so he's a guy that kind of defied odds. He really did because he flamed out after that. So we don't ever know what's going to happen with right. any of these guys. And an elite defense around yeah. him. Oh gosh, Rex, Rex Ryan's defense and run game too. Yep. By the way, I mean, is it our favorite answer, Kurt Warner? Nope, nope. <sighs> is it, but we got Mark in there. Is it Roethlisberger? Yeah, yes! Yay! Oh. Let's go. And I knew we were limited, so I wanted to make sure we get it in there. So Ben Roethlisberger and Mark Sanchez, the only quarterbacks in league history, annals, if you will, to start conference championship games in each of the first two seasons. Now, they Mark Sanchez was not successful because they did not get Jets to the Super Bowl. Ben Roethlisberger Steelers did make it to the Super Bowl. Brock Purdy hurt last year. And so we don't know what would have happened, whether or not they would have been able to beat Philly or not. But here he is one more time, and Purdy has a chance to see if he can be. And, and you just talk about like coming out of nowhere. Ben Roethlisberger, who did it, 11th pick overall. Mark Sanchez, 5th uh, pick overall? Yeah, yeah, 5th yeah. pick overall. Uh, and both first-round choices. Yeah. So when you think about it, this guy is definitely dealing in some rare air. And we'll find out whether he can yeah, do it. And if they win, Denny's going to come in here on Monday. Oh, just... yes. And, and like I, I threw out earlier, those numbers don't lie as far as what he's been able to do outside of the numbers, past the sticks, and then what was the third one that I threw at you guys? All leading the National Football League under duress, meaning face, facing pressure. And he officially is a finalist for the NFL's MVP award, by the mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. He's one of the five finalists. Yeah. And if you're betting, you, you might bet on Lamar. <laughs> Right now, uh, because he's going to win it. But still, you at, imagine this. At one point, you had Dak Prescott as the favorite. You had Brock Purdy as the favorite. Brock was the favorite up until like three weeks be- before that ravens before Niners the Lamar game. game. On yeah. Christmas. He yeah. was the favorite. And you know who else was a favorite at one point, too? Tua. Of course. And, yeah. And so, and, and there was at least a time early, uh, it was Why a defender. Are we around? Just give it to Mahomes. Yeah. Wait, yeah. What are we doing? So I don't even know. No, if he, and that's what I, I said this. I forget if it was on this program or Helmets and Heels. So like, you'd say Mahomes over Lamar right now, still? Yeah, he, yeah he's the best player in the game. Yes. Yeah, but that's but, not the award. Right. Yeah. Well, we're approaching with Mahomes the same territory we've already been experiencing with LeBron James. We had experience with Tom Brady. Do you give it to him every year? No. And you know, That's where we give it to the guy who had the best regular Be- season. Best season, exactly. Not the best player. And look, LeBron has been robbed because they said we can't give it to him anymore. That's just basically what their voting mind told them. And there were other guys that rose up, and you could go to the Giannis's of the world who you couldn't really argue. Joel Embiid, I might be able to argue it now because of how poorly he played after winning the MVP title. But, yeah, that's it. That's it, why I wish they would announce the winner before I agree. the playoffs are over. Like, yeah. like right after Dude. this regular season ends. I don't get it because that gives you the time. Almost every year in the NBA, <sighs> it's like the guy who wins the MVP probably doesn't have a great playoff. Well, and you you're just this- like, oh, my God, this guy won. What a yeah. stupid award. And it's like, God. Well, we it, know that the award is a regular season award. Please he, announce it the day after the regular season ends. Well, he shrunk. Like, he was five and a half feet tall in, in the postseason. Which he does compared, a lot. Compared to what he did in the in the regular season. And then, of course, uh, out west, Joker was doing his deal. So that's really what made Joel Embiid look even that much more of 
How did we give him that again? Exactly. Yeah. I do have Super Bowl MVP odds mm-hmm. because they pretty like you can't even bet on the MVP anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, Lamar is also the favorite to win that at around two to one. Brock Purdy right behind three to one, and McCaffrey three and a half to one. Mahomes all the way almost at four to one. So I guess it's because they don't think his team will even get there. Like Probably. the odds are in uh, uh, Baltimore's favor, but. That'd be a nice one to bet on, 4-1, yep. to one, because you feel like if they're going to get there, he's going to win the Super Bowl MVP. And he's just a game away. If they win. It's not like he's two games away right now. You should be looking at it like that. But the one thing that is certain is that he, this will be the first time that he's played in a championship game. As often as he's played, it's always been at home. Right. This last week was the first time he went on the road, so now you got back-to-back weeks of going on the road. And it does get bigger, uh, especially against that Baltimore D. It's really big against that Baltimore yeah. team. Uh, I don't know if that line has moved. No. It was hanging at three points, and I think it's still living there. For the AFC Championship? Yeah. Three yeah. and a half. Three yeah, and a half. It's been, okay. three it's been three a three and a half, half all week. Yeah. Yep. Which I was shocked by. Seven for Yes. For Detroit. Was it seven underdog? and a half? It's, it's come to seven, and mm-hmm. it's pretty flat there. All right. So, yeah, I guess I'm not surprised uh, too much by the lack of movement because there's money landing on both sides. And the, if you think about the – Divisional round, I don't think those lines move very much at all. Nine and a half to ten, ten back to nine and a half, two and a half to three with Buffalo and Kansas City. Uh, the six number for Tampa Bay and Detroit, it basically was stuck there. Uh, and so, yeah, there wasn't that much movement either way. So we'll find out. All right, we're going to wrap our show up. going to say hello to the Francis Show coming up. Now, the two-minute drill brought to you by Tire Outlet. Tire Outlet is now hiring. Visit tireoutlet.com slash careers. Equal opportunity employer. Lauren Brooks joins us now. The Francis Show getting ready to roll. You guys, uh, reaction to the Trent Balky presser, I'm sure. Yeah, we're going to put all of his quotes up on the wheel and just spin it and yeah. see, yeah. Where it, see where it lands. And then, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. then some great television. That's why we live stream, folks. Yeah. Uh, I just came up with that. So if yeah. we really are doing do that, it. we better get busy. Yeah. I think you should do it. I also had 44, that, actually. 44 quotes, cuts. Yeah. Is that what it was? Yeah, there's a lot. It's yeah. going to be We a don't have enough wheel. spots on the wheel for that. And every one of those quotes, translation, Doug's coaching staff ruined this season. Right. That, that was the translation. Ruined my roster. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it is interesting how many times I feel like he talked about we need to be bigger, faster, stronger, more physical. You're the one who picks the players that are not big, strong, and physical. So it's not necessarily always development that gets a guy there. It's picking a guy that's big, strong, fast, and physical. Yeah, because if you think of the rookies that make plays, they were that when they came into the building, uh, a la Sam Laporte up in Detroit and all the other guys. Yeah, look at all the rookies that the Lions have. I mean, and that was at one point when Trent Baalke said – you know, you're not going to find a lot of guys where we were drafting that are going to be starters. Like, uh, actually, we can go through the Rams and the Lions and lots of other teams, and they well, did I'm, find I'm, I starters. The, I made the point earlier, the team that beat them last year, Kansas City, had four rookie starters. Four. So, yeah. All right. Yeah, so you can find them. Yep, you guys will be. We'll break it all down. Okay. All and right. you guys already talked to Hayes, so you know he's thrilled. Oh, yes, he is. Yes, he is. <laughs> all right, sounds good. Thanks. Uh, Frangie's show coming up next as they get ready to rock and roll because that will be topic number one, and, of course, they'll work their way into several others with the coaching hires that have happened today as well. Now, today's takeaways brought to you by Key Buick GMC, where our family dealership has been helping families buy vehicles for over 50 years. 
Oh, I got to go first? Oh, I was going to leave mine for a zinger. Come on now. I learned that Texas A&M leads the SEC in quad one wins, not Kentucky, or uh, not South Carolina, excuse mm-hmm. me. <laughs> All right, well, that's a good one. Now, listen, I'm going to keep this guy going because I have been making it uh, my takeaway. Uh, Nick Dunlap, an amateur to win on the PGA yep. Tour, uh, first since 1991 to do it. And then he said, I got to go back home and decide what I'm going to do. Well, he's doing the right thing. He's turning pro uh, because he turned down or couldn't earn the $1.5 million check that was w- waiting for him with this last week. Not playing this week, but will go into that next event as a pro. Congratulations. But he to can't Nick go get that money, right? Yeah. No. Like he can't go get last week's yeah. money. That's yeah. long gone. It'd be Dang. awesome if you could go pick up that check. Yeah. If you could happy Gilmore your way with that big cardboard check uh, and take it to the bank. Well, but now no. it's like, what happens if he doesn't win for another X amount of years? Yeah, but it, it, he instantly eligible yeah. for all the events that his, like, the U.S. amateur win gave him spots in the masters and i believe in the open but now he's get, he's in all of them now right and obviously he can start earning so congratulations nick dunlap I mean, the how, new nick in tuscaloosa my takeaway how did you guys avoid this my takeaway is trent balky knows everything you know nothing mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's yeah. it end of story well i i, I left said, it for you yeah i said it was it the earlier. obvious takeaway i said it earlier he used his harbaugh harpoon and he just harpooned doug peterson that's what he did he just harpooned him and basically said, hey, uh, I did everything necessary to follow a playoff roster and, and drafted well and gave you 21 of 22 starters to come back with, and this is what you give me and the rest of Duval, a 9-8 and eight record, the exact same one, but it includes five losses in your last six games. That's how it all unfolded. And, and honestly, even though you could say you – you were not surprised or didn't expect anything else. You should expect more from this football team, and the demand should be high in Duval. It really, they really should be. It should be. Yeah, but it hasn't been. So I, I think from the fans, it has. Oh, from the fans, it has. Yeah. No, no. Yeah. If, if, if yeah. we're speaking on behalf of the fans, yes. Yeah. Like the like, there is a thirst, a want, a very loud cry for hold yourself to a higher standard. But until we see that higher standard actually being held, it again, it's status quo. How does all this standard this operating is, procedure look? This is probably way. Well, not I shouldn't even say way off base. But how does all this affect that April deadline of let's figure out what we're doing with the stadium? Mm-hmm. How does how does the past season? How does this strange it's, press conference? I, I would think nothing, but there's got to be some uneasy feeling right now. It never helps when you have this, right? When you have yeah. the fail and you and you have uh, angst. Uh, which is what is angst among the fan base, which is what you're having to deal with and having to accept as as your new reality. Remember last year, your new reality was coming out, and you're a playoff football team. This is us. We are now going to be part of the conversation deep into the postseason, and here you are now trying to explain away what happened. All right, we are done. Oh, one other takeaway, mm-hmm. um, just because I know we love this bit. Thanks to our good friend Rick Stroud down with the Tampa Bay Times for this. Mm-hmm. Um, this gig ain't for me. How Bucks Dave Canales found a higher calling in coaching. Tampa Bay's offensive coordinator, now the head coach of the Carolina Panthers, mm-hmm. 
The son of a pastor dabbled in commercial real estate and leather boot making before realizing he belonged on the football field. That's pretty cool. You never know what you're what you're called to do. And for him to start out making boots before he used his boots to walk from Tampa up to the Queen City and be the head coach up there. Good for him. Uh, he was able to parlay this one year as the offensive coordinator into a head coaching job. We'll find out whether they know what they're doing up there or not. We are done. Joe C., me, O'Brien, Matty Hayes, Big Source, and JJ. You got the Francis Show coming up next.